Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. just 51 short weeks away from Wrestlemania 35. Have you got the Wrestlemania fever? Are you excited yet? Okay, no, probably not because actually the last one was only a week away, but uh, it was a fantastic Wrestlemania 34 weekend in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of my esteemed boss, but indeed also a very, very tired man after his exertions. How are you this week, Mr. Soviet Paul Benson? Hello, mate, um, and hello, everybody. I have, I have been better, if I'm honest. I had a wonderful WrestleMania weekend, and it was great to see so many of you enjoying yourselves and at the events and you know having a brilliant old wrestling time. But I have to say, it's completely taken out of me. Um, and to, to, to put it out there nice and early, I've been laid up in bed for the past week with a bout of gastroenteritis. You so you know, what a way to celebrate post-mania, eh? Prior to this week, Paul thought gastroenteritis was the team that Arsenal beat on the way in their Europa League campaign, <laughs> and now he's been stricken with it, and he's uh, been uh, been paying the price. That is why, if uh, you are most likely listening to this Monday or Tuesday, that is about eight or nine, nine days after WrestleMania, that's probably the reason why, is that uh, we're just yep. giving Paul a little bit of space to recover. In fact, he actually texted me, I think it was the day before WrestleMania, saying... Mate, I'm not feeling too good. I was like, no, 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 don't do this to me on the day of WrestleMania. It was day off, it was day off. It was day off, wasn't it? I think I was on the train on the way up to London and you were saying, I'm not feeling too good. And I went, you're going to have to power through this. (laughs) Head down, you'll be fine. (laughs) And it was that, I think you kind of had to be. And once, I've known that before, once you get to the point where you don't have to be on it anymore, then your body sort of relaxes and and, uh, all those nasty little beasties take toll. But uh, good good to hear that you're on the mend. And uh, other than uh, all of the, the horrid details of, uh, of not being too well, um, it really was a very fine WrestleMania weekend, wasn't it? Wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. In my eyes, our best slate of parties yet across the board. Obviously, we can only be at one. We were both at the uh, the London one, which went, uh, to my eyes, pretty swimmingly. We had a great time and a good crowd. And uh, I think we got to, uh, to everything we wanted to do. Everything was achieved. We'll have a little bit of a chat about that in a minute. Um, but obviously, you're the one with your your hand on the pulse and you were having to uh, keep an eye on 24 other shows yes 25 guys 25 Wrestlemania parties under the Hooked on Events banner and uh, the man on the other end of the line is insane enough that he wants to make it even more for SummerSlam what a nutcase but um, <laughs> as far as the uh, the Wrestlemanias went uh, you I know the colour that Paul starts to turn if uh, if issues are happening elsewhere and there are problems and uh, you looked pretty damn relaxed I thought on, uh, on Sunday night so uh, it all seemed to go pretty well uh, it was. It could have been a hell of a lot worse, and I expected a hell of a lot worse, to be honest. When you run that many events, um, you just have to accept that there are going to be problems and issues somewhere, and you have to hope to God that none of those problems and issues are so terminal that it's that it, it ruins people's nights completely. We weren't issue-free. Um, some people I've spoken to 
who you know you know needed looking after because it wasn't quite what they expected in certain areas, but that was a very very isolated instance at three and a half thousand people you know three thousand four hundred and forty five plus were delighted we had a couple of bits and bobs but luckily the guys on the ground in each of the venues we had a good team in place this time and every time anything happened and believe me there were a lot of issues that maybe you guys didn't see tech issues particularly um our guys work their balls off um, to, to rectify those issues and in most cases got the nights running smooth or as close to as smooth as they possibly could so thank you to everybody in the team in London and beyond um, you, you made a fantastic night possible there are a couple of things that annoy me well that's not true there are several million things that annoy me but there's a couple of things that annoy me um, that I think are somewhat related you may have felt the pain of this this week when you're not feeling very well and someone says, how are you? And you go, I'm not feeling too well. I've got so-and-so. How often do they go, yeah, I've had that. Or, yeah, my mate so-and-so's had that. And you think, I don't give a monkeys about what your mate's doing. I care about how I am right now. Give me some sympathy, please. Um, and also, when you have a bad experience somewhere, um, what you never want to hear someone saying is, well, everyone else is okay. Well, no one else is complaining. When you, go into the, when you have a bit of a bad pint or there's something wrong with your meal, and the barman or the waiter says, well, everyone else seems to be okay with it. That's not what you want to hear uh, as a nope. customer. So just in case there are some people uh, listening on the end of this line. I mean, we're telling we're telling truth here, folks. Overall, we've had a, a set of amazing feedback um, figures. Um, it, it, it's been very, very cool to us in, in, in hearing everyone's really good experiences. But we know that there are some ones that, uh, uh, that did, it didn't go swimmingly for. So in case you're listening to this going... You know, pair of fibbers. You know, my night was terrible. Um, let's address any issues we did have, Paul. I think it's only fair to do it now and out in the open, because as you said, it wasn't 100% perfect and it wasn't completely error-free. No, the biggest problem was a problem of my making. To be honest, it was in Leeds. We screwed the VIP up in Leeds, and the people who paid for VIP tickets didn't get what was advertised pissed them off no end and rightly so and it was entirely my fault so quite rightly we've sorted all that out with them made them made sure they've got their money back where appropriate giving them free tickets to SummerSlam and everyone has been really reasonable and been totally happy with, with what we offered outside of that not too bad in terms of major problems and all the bars were delighted you know the amount of people and how the atmosphere was and how you all behaved everyone was chuffed to bits I think the, the, the ones that struck me that I saw certainly on the night that people were, I wouldn't say complaining about, but certainly making us aware of, um, was a little bit out of our control, really, which was that there was a, I think there were some, some Wi-Fi issues, weren't there, in certain places where yes, pre, yeah. the pre-show wasn't running properly or the, uh, uh, the, the, the picture wasn't great on the, on the TVs or, or something along those lines. There's not a great deal we can do about that, certainly at the time. We can't suddenly say, um, can you up your Wi-Fi, please, uh, you, this venue? Um, what we can do is we can look for the future and we can uh, we can address. For example, if you were with us for the Royal Rumble at the Grand, um, you might remember the uh, the picture uh, not being the best at times during the Rumble. We scrambled a little bit on the night to make that better. And if you were with us for WrestleMania, you'll know we had no problems such as that um, because we'd uh, addressed it beforehand. So um, yep. that was a good little success story. Um, we, what we did have was, again, if, we're, if you weren't the London one, we're being quite centric on that, but there was... A few people during the night that were coming up to us and saying, "Oh, your 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 um, your feed is a couple of minutes behind." Um, well, yes, it was, but you know that's not the end of the world. I, I grant that people want to follow it on Twitter as well as on, you know, in person. But it wouldn't hurt you to 
put the phone down every now and again. But once we got to WrestleMania itself, we did bring it back up to up to speed. And there was a point during the pre-show where we had to sit the pre-show on pause because we had something going on in the venue, um, and we wanted to make sure everything got in. Now I know that upset some people that we delayed the women's battle royal, but as I remember saying at the time, we will get through everything. We did get through everything, and I thought that our um, costume party uh, or the costume uh, section of the uh, of the evening on the stage in London was one of the best ones we've ever had. And if you're someone that's quite completist in terms of watching every minute of the pre-show and so forth, well, we apologise. But part of the attraction for me of the hooked on parties are the extras. You, 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 you know, we always talk about the atmosphere in which you can watch the wrestling as being a big selling point, and we stick by that. But if you do just want to watch the wrestling from start to finish, you know, there are other options for doing that. We like to think that what we can offer in terms of the music going on, um, the quiz, and yes, the costume competitions uh, where appropriate. Um, add to our evening and, and it's what we try and offer to you so um, I think that we did the right thing by pausing and by getting through everything and uh, and doing it our way and certainly if you watch the video you can go to our Facebook page um, and see the uh, a little video that Paul uh, took from the side of the stage uh, of the costume contest I thought it was a doozy I enjoyed it a great deal and the reactions we were getting from the crowd were absolutely excellent so I just want to address that's an individual item from London which I was involved with there will be similar ones in other venues but trust us, we are thinking of the greater good. As Paul said, three and a half thousand people. That's a lot of people. I know it's over a lot of venues, but it's still a lot of people uh, when you think about it. And uh, we have to try and cater to the masses and not you know, one or two individuals that ask us about something. So we hope yep. we have done our best by you. We are huge, huge wrestling fans. And if we are not involved in Hooked On Wrestling, we would either A, be watching it ourselves somewhere, B, getting together and watching it with some mates and this is how this whole thing started, or C, finding someone that was running a bloody party and attending it, because that's, um, that's for damn sure what we'd be doing if we had the choice. So we would be we would be customers were we not running the thing. I think that's Correct. what I'm to say, Paul. Um, so we, we are trying to look at it from uh, from your perspective where we possibly can. But we it's like the hair club the... for men. What's that? It's like, the hair men. it's like the hair club for men, isn't it? Not only are we the president, but we're also the customer. <laughs> and uh, what was the gentleman's name? I believe it was Cy Sperling. Cy Sperling. That was, was the one, there. WrestleMania 10. There he was at WrestleMania 10. Now, uh, what a, of all the people we could have name-dropped about WrestleMania on the, th on the, the week of the 34th <laughs> WrestleMania, have we talked about Bret Hart or Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair or Randy Savage or John Cena? No, Cy Sperling. Is the first one to uh, Cy Sperling for the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm saying. Next year's class of uh, of 2019 should at least involve, I would say, Cy Sperling, Mike Adamley, Jameson, and of course Nicholas. Um, but we will uh, we will come back to that, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> as the as the chat goes on. Um, here's what we're going to do, folks, for today's podcast. We are going to do a whistle stop tour of WrestleMania weekend. That is as far as WWE. Is concerned. Yes, we know there was a great deal of things going on uh, from uh, indie wrestling perspectives. Um, well done to all of our friends that were uh, that were out at WrestleMania from uh, from British wrestling. Um, there are some people that we tried to book to host our parties, and they say, "Sorry, we're in New Orleans. We have to go." Good on you, my friend, because we can't knock that. you if you uh, if uh, if you put WrestleMania ahead of us. But uh, that, that's okay by us. We hope everyone was successful. Um, there were things like Ring of Honor. There were things like. Um, uh, various different wrestle cons and, and whatever going on it sounds like it was a brilliant weekend everyone i know that's been out there had an absolute whale of a time 
we're going to specifically stay uh, on the WWE side of things. So that is, we're going to go from the Hall of Fame through NXT, through WrestleMania, Raw and SmackDown, and just hit some of our high points uh, chronologically uh, to what we thought. But b- before we do that, Paul, um, is there anything else you want to just say about the, uh, the hooked on... Uh, side of things because as we said 25 parties three and a half thousand people other than thanking everybody from deeply from the bottom of our hearts for for supporting this silly little venture that started five and a half years ago with uh, a few dozen people in Belushi's and Shepherd's Bush and is now in two continents and to you know more people than watch most League Two football matches um other than thanking those people is there anything you, you wanted to uh, sort of underline the uh, the weekend well, you took the words out of my mouth a little bit there, and you know, just just to thank every single person involved, either anybody who's buying a ticket, or anybody who's talking about us on social media, or anybody who's helping us out. The team is over. You know, there's 55 people in our team now. I know that because I had to pay them all, and normally it takes me about <laughs> normally it takes me about three hours, and this time it took me three days. Um, so it was incredible um to go through and oh no here's a great story i was out in uh with some friends in london on monday night okay and um what were you doing paul crazy golf <laughs> I, thought, I think that's important to, to note that crazy you, were, golf. you weren't at the bloody ivy you know no, <laughs> you were playing was, crazy well, golf it was posh crazy golf okay, but it was yeah. crazy golf um and we went to a bar afterwards and we sat down and on the table next to us these two lads talking and they talk turns to WrestleMania and I can't remember exactly what was said but I was obviously nebbing as I do when anybody when I hear wrestling in a public place and I can't Sorry, remember what whether it's you were what? nebbing nebbing I don't know that word um, that's obviously yeah. like eavesdropping you mean. eavesdropping but eavesdropping I've never yeah. heard nebbing is that, is, that, is that a northeast word is that it, a... Must be, it must be a northern word of some description yeah. but yeah that's nebbing um Anyway, so I can't remember what they said. It was either an opinion that they sh- they offered or a fact that they presented. But either of which, I either didn't agree with their opinion or um, wanted to correct their facts. But either way, I had to interject. And <laughs> of said, course you did. Of course said, you did. You can just let two people have a nice evening, have a little that. chat about wrestling. Nope, you had to go. Uh, I, I'm showbiz Paul Benson, and couldn't, I know better. Couldn't, couldn't. Sorry, chaps. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to intrude. But wrestling, blah blah. Wasn't WrestleMania good? Um, and then I said, oh, I said, how did you watch it then? He said, oh, I watched it at home, but I was really tempted. Have you heard of those hooked on hooked on wrestling parties? I was going to go to one of those, but my missus wouldn't let me go out. I usually go to them. I'm like, yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of those. And I was like, in fact, funny you should mention that. I was at one last night <laughs> because I'm I'm hosting them. And this guy was absolutely like laughing his head off. And I was, I said to him, look, I said, I'm so pleased that you know i can't tell you how happy it's made me to hear you say that completely unprompted in the middle of london the following day nowhere near anything wrestling related um just to hear you talk about our parties incredible and then the next incredible thing was and i know i told you this earlier in the week and it'll probably mean more to a lot of people listening to this kevin clifton from strictly um turns like was giving it the biggies. I can't believe I missed your party. I can't believe I didn't know about this. Subsequently went and followed us on Twitter, followed us on Facebook, um, and looks like he might very well be coming to one of our next events. I'll, I'll underline this question. Paul's, I now know who he means. I'm not a, an avid fan of Strictly Come Dancing, um, but uh, I am aware of, once Paul said Kevin Clifton from Strictly Come Dancing, but that's not what he said to me. Paul sent me a text <laughs> saying something along the lines of, 
Kevin from Grimsby has just started following us on Twitter. Bear in mind, Paul Benson comes from Grimsby. <laughs> I assumed that he was just talking about some bloke he knew from school or something. And I thought, well, that's not particularly impressive, is it? Someone that happened to be from your hometown is following us on Twitter. They probably recognised your name. And then he informed me that uh, that Mr Clifton's um, uh, uh, colloquial name is... Do they even call him that on the show? Do they? What, what's the... Do they do that with everyone? Do they say... Yeah, you know, they call it... No, no, it, it, not with everyone. It's just he is Kevin from Grimsby, for some reason. It makes him sound like a caller to TalkSport. Well, maybe he's that too. We had TalkSport talking about us on the breakfast show the day after. That's, that is true, actually. That was, an, uh, that was a not a deliberate segue, but we certainly did, actually. Uh, our, fr- our friend Joe, who is uh, uh, Alan Brazil's producer on, uh, on TalkSport, uh, came along to one of our shows and was talking highly of it, which was nice. It was incredible, honestly. Like this feels like a turning point. It feels like you know everybody's been talking about the hooked on wrestling parties. So I'm really proud, and we couldn't have done it without all these people supporting us and coming out and having a good time. And yep, showing, giving, cutting us a bit of slack when things go wrong, um, and just being you know the best fans that anyone could hope for. The bars all praise you guys because of how well behaved but rowdy you are everybody loves having a hooked on wrestling party in their bar because they know they know it's going to be brilliant and they know that the, the fans are going to be exemplary so you know thank you to everybody that's ever been part of our little tribe feels like feels like a coming of age suddenly great to foster the people and uh, that's what you were kind of giving me the vibe of then about yeah it does I know what you're saying about the uh, I don't like the expression about calling it a turning point because that's what Hulk Hogan said every two months when he was working for TNA <laughs> True. Was yeah. to go, I feel like we're at a turning point brother and like, no, you're not though are you um, and, and, and I, I liked it when he also would say that they were going to um, uh, take it to the next level yeah yeah. he, was, he would say a whole a whole nother level I think he thinks <laughs> he thinks the word another begins, begins with an N the way he would say it, whole nother level. Um, anyway, uh, a couple of things off of what you were just saying there. Firstly, I cannot remember for the life of me um, uh, what her name was, but I did get a retweet once from uh, one of the dancers on Strictly Come Dancing because um, I, I, I tweeted all of them when we were trying to promote the uh, the bid to get um, Cha Cha La La, the Fandango music in the oh, yes. uh, post-WrestleMania yeah. five years ago. Uh, is she called something like Christina... Rihanoff Roma, like Christina Rihanoff yeah I think it was her I think she she retweeted she's me, my favourite that's my little oh she's no Ola Jordan mate um, mm. uh, that's my little tenuous link to uh, to Strictly um, and in terms of your uh, overhearing other people talking about Hooked On which sounds <laughs> sounds a little bit like um, that scene when Julia Roberts hears people talking about her in uh, Notting Hill um, <laughs> but, uh, but you were Hugh Grant stepping up to go and defend her honour but I uh, um, I met someone at the... Uh, I think it was when we were doing the Bruce Pritchard shows last summer. I, I'm not absolutely certain about that, but it was certainly at, I was at a wrestling event anyway. So it's, I, I wasn't mm. walking down the street. I wasn't in a bar. It wasn't the day after WrestleMania. I was at a wrestling event, so it's not a great surprise. But I got talking to someone about, oh, yeah, um, I was at the Hooked On Wrestling Party for, let's say, Raw Rumble. And then he said... Oh yeah, I, I thought I recognised you. I said I, I think I've seen you at one of those, and I went, "Well, I have hosted most of them. <laughs> Thank you for not recognising me exactly from having been. I'm the one with the microphone in his hand talking all night, oh, and you vaguely, re- vaguely remembered me. So I'm obviously making a uh, a wonderful job uh, of making a, an impact on people. 
And uh, indeed, speaking of impact, and speaking of me being up on the front of the stage, there was a, a little bit of a task that was set down to me by uh, by Paul on this uh, on this here podcast a couple of weeks ago, which kind of went a bit crazy um, one way and another. At one point, it was going to be um, Rob will sing on stage if uh, if Jeff Jarrett's with my baby tonight gets onto the uh, uh, onto the into the charts, which it didn't. And then Paul said about if uh, if they would raise enough money on the night. That I would have to sing it on the stage, and we were incredibly close. And I don't know if it went over we the were. line later on in the night, but during the night we were incredibly close. And so I did what I thought was an honourable thing. I stood on the stage and went, "You guys, do you want me to sing the song?" And overwhelmingly they went, "No." <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so I didn't do it. I, I am nothing if not a crowd pleaser, even if it looks like it's me <laughs> trying to get out of the out of doing something, which is exactly what it was. But um, so if uh, if anyone is calling um, bait and switch and are upset. I didn't sing it on the stage. One, you're an idiot because you don't want to. You really don't want to hear me singing for two and a half minutes. Although I probably might have done it better than they did at the actual hall of fame. I game. think you may well have done. Um, and maybe yeah, I might. I'll, I'll, I'll do it on the podcast or something someday, uh, just for the hell of it. But um, uh, but what we did get, which was even better than me singing a song that Jeff Jarrett pretended to sing, we did get live. On How cool Skype, was that? From backstage at WrestleMania, in front of all the trucks and everything, Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett. How awesome was that? That was very cool. I would. It was in the process of saying to Paul, "Mate, I'm not going to be able to sing the song. We've not raised enough money. I don't think these people are going to go for it." Blah blah blah. And Paul went, "Doesn't really matter because we've got Jeff anyway." <laughs> I went, "I beg your pardon." He went, "We're working on it now on Skype, but Jeff's going to come on." Now listen, it wasn't without his problems. Those of you in London would be saying, "Well, oh I didn't Lord. really hear what he said," and it was a little bit, uh, a little bit sketchy. But it came to us on the night. It wasn't like we'd been planning that for three months and then, you know, it didn't quite happen. But I think it, I, it was, I wasn't party to the, the start of it but Paul basically went I wonder if I can get hold of Jeff and, and see if he'll come and talk to us and brilliantly fair play to Jeff Jarrett for everything he's got I think he was at, he was hosting he was hosting some event or other earlier in the evening and then he had to go on yeah. actually appear at Wrestlemania and do the wave but in between time he found enough time uh, to come on and onto our big video wall in, uh, in London and, say, and what he was trying to say if you didn't hear him if you were in London you didn't hear him what he was essentially saying was thank you to Hooked on Events for supporting um, the with my baby tonight sort of campaign raising money for Connor's cure, and uh, that's kind of why Jeff was on on the wall was to say thank you to all of you. So, um, but it was absolutely totally legit live, as those that uh, were there will attest. Because if they were quite eagle-eyed, they probably saw Paul's um, uh, Skype chat, which was on a 25 <laughs> foot by 50 foot screen, <laughs> because we were having to plug the computer into the. Uh, into the TV and then, it, and then it cut out twice so uh, there it has it. and then and, and rather wonderfully just to let further daylight in upon magic when I called Paul this evening to uh, start the call to record this uh, this podcast his his profile picture had turned into a picture of him looking rather bemused looking <laughs> slightly off camera for some reason <laughs> Skype had pictured him trying to sort out Jeff and uh, and retained it for eternity although I think you've uh, I think you've already I've switched this conversation, it back now thank uh, you for switched, the heads up switched it back over but uh, um, anyway but talk about getting Jeff on because uh, you and Jeff do go away I, I know Jeff but not as well as you do and uh, it was a pretty cool uh, pretty cool thing he did for us it was awesome, but expect that not to be the last you see of Jeff and Hook Tom uh, in the near future, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it very soon. Well, I think uh, 
at the very least, I don't think that's a, a huge giveaway to trail the fact that uh, we are going to try and get Jeff on the podcast in the uh, in the coming future. We'd love to talk about what the uh, the experience was like uh, at the Hall of Fame, and indeed lots of other things. Um, Jeff is a, a very very interesting character uh, within the world of wrestling, and uh, like I said, we we both know him, but we're also not afraid to ask him a couple of uh, challenging questions because it's a uh, it's, like I say, it's a, it's a very unique story that he has. But first of all, I'd love to know what it was like for him getting back into the fold and uh, and being part of WrestleMania weekend. We will do that in the in the coming weeks, I promise you, folks, on the uh, on the podcast. So you you heard it here first that uh, Double J will be uh, on the Hooked On podcast at some point in the future. So let's start with the Hall of Fame. Then we talked about Jeff being there. Um, I really enjoyed Jeff's speech. Actually, the whole thing at the end with with my baby tonight with a road dog. Let's face it, didn't work. <laughs> but there you go. Nope. But I really, really loved his speech, and I thought that, you know, I know what that would have meant to him from being okay. He was a competitor to WWE several times. You know, he was he was the one that was pushing a rival company. But I remember when I first met Jeff years ago, he talked about how he still stayed in contact with Shane, um, and that certainly I don't think Jeff ever had any plans of trying to put Vince out of business or anything like that that uh, that Bischoff or Ted Turner or someone may have said in the past I think Jeff genuinely wanted to run some competition and people have thrown some some shade at him in, in different ways and talked about how he may have failed or talked about how he was it was a vanity thing for himself and I just don't think any of those things are true I just think he tried to do something good for the wrestling business obviously to try and make a few quid along the way and whether he succeeded or failed I don't think is really important I think it's that that he had a go and he was one of the people that was bold enough to try something and here we are actually what 17 years later or so since he started it and you can make fun all you like about TNA or Impact or call them what you will but they're still in business and they've had some good times and um, you know Jeff started all that so for him to be on the stage at the Hall of Fame throughout everything and even then people have said oh you know he was, he was putting some tears on behave you know that was nah. just, just admit that you know something meant something to that guy uh, and and he felt it. That was a that was a big moment for him to be uh, to be asked to do that. And I know he didn't mention TNA in his speech, and he probably wasn't allowed to, and all that kind of caper. But just I think respect what a journey that man's had. And I don't use that J word. There's a you know two to two J words that he talks about about himself. But the J word I don't like is journey because it's been bastardized by the X Factor and, and and things like that. But he has had a hell of a journey, and I was just so proud of him to be. I like. I sent him a message to that end the day before and said, "I'm really proud of you. You know, have a great time. You know, have a good night, and uh, you deserve it." And I, I absolutely believe it. I'm into that, mate. I can't add anything to that. I'm really chuffed, delighted, pleased for the guy, um, and thankful for what he did for us on WrestleMania night. Long may it continue. People say about the Hall of Fame that it goes on for too long. I probably agree. They're right. Um, but some have said, "Oh, well, they should." They should make the speeches be, you know, much shorter and cut them down. No, I think they should take about three or four inductees out each year and focus on four or five people and let them go as long as they want. Because I actually was thoroughly entertained. I watched it in four or five stages. I was watching it an hour here, an hour there. But Same. I was thoroughly entertained by the Hall of Fame because the big takeaway that I had really was, I'll talk about the wrestlers in particular, um, was that I watched it thinking, and this is not limited to these, but I remember thinking... Mark Henry, Ivory, Hillbilly Jim, Molly Holly, and others. Just what nice people. I just that was, that was my main takeaway. I was just watching them going, don't they seem nice people that have worked hard, that have got to somewhere, that are appreciative of it, and just seem dead cool. And I thought that's a, a victory for niceness. Yep, I agree. I was I I was so um, 
taken with every single person on that stage to one degree or another and especially Mark Henry mm. you know that's as, as close as I've ever got to choking up during a Hall of Fame speech and I'm not a massive fan of Mark I think he's very good and I think he's a guy that's absolutely made the absolute most of every shred of talent he's got but he's not he's not got any great affinity with me but what a wonderful gentle kind human being that guy clearly is um, and you just felt that every single person on that stage appreciated being there and thoroughly deserved their moment. So, yeah, like you, I could not sit and watch it for four and a half hours. Even Goldberg, you know, went a long time. I, I imagine, you know, how, ma- how many of his last few matches would be the cumulative time of that speech? Certainly way over his last run in WWE. Um but you probably go. But you could probably go back about twenty years almost. <laughs> I'm not. I'm barely joking. The, um, the thing with Goldberg was, that I think someone probably gave him that line about saying, you know, I'm I'm not going to take very long here to be like one of, these, <laughs> one, of my, one of my matches. I'm going to keep it short. And then he, and did. then he didn't. <laughs> yeah, for ages. I, know, I, I actually know. thought his was one of the more dull speeches. If I'm honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, but that you was, know... again nothing to do with the fact that it was a long show or anything like that. And I admit that if I was sitting in that audience looking forward to NXT the following day and going to Access, going to you know other uh, wrestling shows, I probably would have been shuffling my seat a little bit by the time that Ivory was doing rather a stretched um, I'm getting married to the Hall of Fame metaphor. Um, but certainly by, by cutting it up into pieces and watching it as I did, I was able to treat it quite differently and not have the, uh, the same pattern. And I think we'll probably talk about a similar sort of thing when we get to WrestleMania because... I'm damn. I'm, I haven't rewatched WrestleMania yet. I usually do rewatch it quite soon afterwards. I haven't got around to it yet, um, but I do find that I sometimes judge things better having, you know, not been up for however many hours and running around all night and literally almost falling asleep in my seat at the at the Grand in Clapham on Sunday night. Um, I might appreciate some matches rather differently. But breaking up the Hall of Fame into different sections, I think, really uh, helps one's viewing of it. But uh, yeah. would you agree with me the best thing to do make it maybe five people or so and that'll be about enough? It never really occurred to me before, but yeah, I think that's a fan- that's a great shout on a number of levels. A, it shortens that ceremony, and B, it, it stops you diluting the quality of the people that are going in um, over the years. So yeah, I think that that makes absolute sense. I, I just think that by the time you get lower down, because let, let's face it, I've always said this: it's nice to recognise people's. Um, uh, records in wrestling and you know n- nod to their achievements um, it's also nice to debate you know who deserves to be there and who doesn't but at the end of the day the reason that it exists is because it is a television show and a ticket seller that is the yep. reason the Hall of Fame exists okay so um, you have to look at it as a who are we going to put on this show as an attraction and with the greatest respect to people such as Ivory and Hillbilly Jim I don't think anyone was going Oh, I don't feel like going to this. It's only Goldberg and the Dudleys. And then someone went, oh, and Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly Jim's going to be there. Sign me up. I don't think anyone was doing that, including some members of Hillbilly Jim's immediate family. <laughs> uh, I'm just, but that's, you know, for real, he, he made a bit of a fan out of me, actually. In, in the speech, I would be way more likely to want to get him on the podcast, for example, because I enjoyed the hell out of what he had to say. But and because he's a gym. And because he's another gym, quite right, sir. And, um, and indeed, he was inducted by a gym. True, um, but uh, I think that um, he was someone that is not going to ever get anyone into a building. So I think that when you start looking at, well, could we take Hillbilly Jim out this year and put him in next year and stick him on the undercard of someone else's Hall of Fame? I think people are going to go a to the Hall of Fame because it's the Hall of Fame. I think there's eighty percent of your ticket sales right there. Yeah. 
And then people that are massive Dudley's fans, ECW fans, massive Goldberg fans, WCW fans, um, and then perhaps you know you add on a few that are particularly you know behind women's wrestling and glow or whatever it is for for Ivory or maybe maybe there will be a few from the from the era of Hillbilly Jim that he would have been you know he would have swung them. I'm sure there would be a few people, but generally speaking, I think people go to the Hall of Fame because it's the Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. I think by by cutting back on it a wee bit, um, I think it would just help. As you, you know, as I was mentioning about the length of the show, but as you were saying, just the longevity of the event. Because if someone is deserving or not enough, they'll go in eventually. And I don't think anyone was necessarily crying out because Hillbilly Jim, who had his heyday in you know 1988, um, <laughs> went into the uh, Hall of Fame 30 years later rather than 31 or, or whatever. So no. um, I think it would be an easy uh, easy solution. Um, so you, you flagged up Henry as being your uh, most enjoyable. Um, uh, speech was there anyone else that uh, was up there for you <laughs> I liked more uh, the other two obviously Jeff goes without saying there's a lot of personal bias in that one and the uh, singing of With My Baby Tonight was um, completely predictable and utterly awful yeah. um, in a very good way in a very entertaining way um, and then the third one that I really enjoyed was the Dudley Boys yeah that was good fun I thought they played it well it, uh, do you know what was interesting was that they have you have to book the Hall of Fame a little bit like you would book a wrestling match or a wrestling yes. card, a card I should say. So you finish with your headliner, but the one on first is probably the second, you know, the second main event as it were. The semi-main is probably the one no you're doubt. on first yeah. with because you're trying to hit on a good note, but also you're trying to get the crowd into the whole thing. And I thought that the the comedic stylings, should we say, of Edge and Christian and the interaction that they had with the Dudleys and you know Devon having his moments and Bubba Ray saying you've waited until our last night to finally be entertaining <laughs> I thought were great and I just thought all four guys and indeed six once you include um, Matt and Jeff coming on stage as well I thought they just looked like they were having a blast and I thought you know we are a big on listen I hosted a, a Wrestlemania party on Sunday night with a t-shirt on which said it's wrestling enjoy it which we have had made and which you can buy by the way and Paul will tell you later on where you can buy it um, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't mean my specific one although <laughs> I might add a pound to it <laughs> you um, could have it if you like I haven't washed it yet so uh, I'll send it to you and you can do that and do my laundry for me but um, uh, you know oh. that, that is our saying and from the literally the very first meeting we had four people sitting around a small table outside a pub in King's Cross Station um, we talked about the, the phrase it's wrestling enjoy it that is our reason for being here um, and it felt like that was the Dudleys and Edging Christians as well and I love that. I love that it was it wasn't too self indulgent, but it was also self indulgent enough that it was about them and about their crew and they just looked like they were having a whale of a time. Yep. Absolutely. Really shone through. It did. And I just want to say one final thing. Um plenty of people have their opinions on the celebrity wing or the Warrior Award. I don't want to get into those kind of things right now. I certainly wouldn't cry if you took both of those um categories away. But taking things on their, on their individual merits I thought the young lad Jarius JJ was awesome. an absolute joy what a cracking Ta-da. young man just really the story in itself was really heartwarming you know how, the, how the, the lad's been through it and had two transplants and seems to be finally on the mend but also you know has the heart and the courage to want to help other people and, and push on and that's why he was nominated for that award and fair play to him wonderful Again, little boy I'm not looking at it with any kind of cynicism from you know from some people's perspective I'm just going to look out and say 
I thought he was a cracking young man and just a very very fun I thought Dana Warrior sort of laid it on a bit thick I thought her speech was about her husband again rather than about uh, the young lad but I thought he was just tremendous and he shone through and he took the mick out of wrestlers and just what a hero yep and then carried that on being the star of the show when they came out for their wave at Wrestlemania the next night <laughs> yeah, what, a, what, a, what a dude what a dude I imagine they'll uh, employ him full time and then the, the storyline will be he's actually the uh, son or maybe grandson of Teddy Long oh holla uh, holla I'd be uh, all for that he's got the moves that. he's got the moves all he needs to do is book a tag team match and it's set <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the Undertaker um, <laughs> right that was uh, that was rather more any lad than Teddy Long but um, um, anything else on the Hall of Fame before we move on to uh, NXT let's move on mate we've got a lot to get through Okay, well, I'm going to pick up something that segues one into another. You will have heard me recently on this podcast really launching uh, into people that attend the Hall of Fame and shout and holler and make it all about them, heckling and whatever. I thought the crowd at the Hall of Fame were exceptional. Um, They really were, weren't they? They were wonderful. They were quiet. And there were a few moments where certain people were tearing up and struggling and the crowd cheered and clapped and roared their encouragement. And I know that helps. I've been part of things. I remember being on the stage with Brett in Brett Hart in Manchester and he was tearing up. And um, you know, Brett is quite an emotional character. It's something that um, a stroke will do to you. And you know, Brett at times was really struggling to talk about Owen or, or Bulldog in certain circumstances like that. And the crowd were absolutely wonderful. And they were really, you know, just urging him on and cheering him and making him feel. And he told me afterwards how good that made him feel, that they were on his side. And... So I'm sure that anyone that was suffering from that in the Hall of Fame would have appreciated that crowd and and what they were like. It takes me on to NXT, and people are going to think I'm a right killjoy about this, because I know some people thought this was the best ever NXT takeover. Hey, it was pretty good. Um, And we'll talk about the the ins and outs of what it was like in a minute. But I, I desperately have to find a way of having some sort of alternate sound coming through, because A, and this is, these are my problems, but A, I thought that crowd was so marky, and B, I cannot stand Mauro Ranallo. Is, oh, ju- is it just me? No, it's not just you. Um, I'm fully in the same boat. Most people, even uh, what I will say, is those that like Mauro Ranallo even commented how utterly, utterly appalling his performance was on Sunday. It, it's become all about him. And all he wants to do is get himself over these ridiculous analogies and comments and pre-prepared guff that sounds absolutely dreadful. And he did his very level best to take away from one of the best nights of in-ring wrestling I have seen in my entire life. Thankfully, he was unable, but shame on him for even trying it. Seriously, shame on him. I thought it was disgusting. I thought he did one, one line, which I genuinely thought was very funny, and the rest of it I thought was rubbish, was... um. He said about Ricochet, um, referring to the uh, the extension on a certain file online, uh, he said that Ricochet is the gift that keeps on gifting, which I thought was very very funny. Oh, but um, other than other than that, because I, I just think you, I just think you know he's how an idiot. I like but... a pun, but it was uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the the bit that got right in that opening match when he started comparing Lars Sullivan to bloody Thanos out of the Avengers. I'm like. This is so strange. You're so reaching to make this relevant, and it just made cringe. Honestly, I think it's, I, I think if he carries on on that vein, I think he should be fired. I think he's absolutely, utterly dreadful. I fully accept that I am out of the loop on a lot of things, 
But I always think, and I also appreciate that some of the times that the WWE does things that are American centric, um, and we are we are not, and they obviously have to go to their North American audience. But when he says something like that, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't watch the Avengers. That's nothing to do. I, I watch the Avengers with, you know, Joanna Lumley and, and John Steen. <laughs> I, I don't watch the Avengers that have anything to do with the cartoon stuff. Not my thing. Not knocking anyone that does like it. And I think more people would know what he meant than didn't. I accept, yes. that, I'm in, yeah, yeah. I accept that I'm in the minority. We're not having a, a Rob Gronkowski conversation again. But um, I just think sometimes you're pushing it with those sort of analogies because there is going to be a fair percent of your audience going, what? And I was one of those people going, what's he talking about? When he said Thanos, I was trying to think of another wrestler. I thought, is that another wrestler that I can't think of? Is that you know, is he is he saying the name wrong of someone that was around in the seventies? I was desperately trying to think what he meant, and then I think someone else might have actually said the the term Avengers, and I went, all right, this is a film I haven't seen. But oh, just, just it was gen- it was a just generally speaking. Sorry, I, just, I was normally if you're watching a football match and the commentary is annoying, you think I'd rather listen to the you know no commentary and just the crowd noise. But then the crowd reminded me as well. So I, I actually tried to watch quite a bit of it on mute, and you can't watch it on mute. You can't. It's not the same. You can't. You can't do it. So I, I will admit that I my experience was totally tainted, and I am probably too susceptible to those little annoyances. I I did overall. I didn't enjoy NXT. No. Because partly because of those two things. But here's what I will say, um, Paul. Who's your? Give me a couple of bands that you like that you've been to see live. Uh, the Killers, right. Stereophonics. Don't, don't mind either of them. Um, but it was a little bit... I, al- I almost felt like... i tell you it was a good... Here's one. I know some people that have been trying to buy tickets to see this week. The Arctic Monkeys, right? Yep. I'm I going to see them in Barcelona see... this summer. I cannot stand the Arctic Monkeys. Right. I just don't like them. I am perfectly accepting of the fact that they are hugely popular. Um, they seem like decent fellas. Um, they knock out some, you know very acceptable music that a lot of people like um, but I just don't like them and I accept that they are very I'm sure they are very good musically I'm not sure I'm, I'm sure they are not sort of you know I'm sure that technically they're good you know what I'm saying by that I'm not saying that, you know some yeah, people yeah. You, you go well you can like um, I don't know Rita Ora or you like but I'm not she's not necessarily a great singer because she's it's a well put together and she might be but I'm saying that she's a well put together concert I said Katy Perry is a better example Katy Perry is not a good singer but she's a well put together construct and she's attractive and, and you know and, and she's put out there and she's marketed well and so if you said to me if you said I like Katy Perry I'd go okay that's fine you can like her songs but please don't tell me she's great she's the Hulk Hogan of music and so you know Hulk Hogan not a great wrestler but you know a great sports entertainer I accept that the Arctic Monkeys are probably a, you know they are a, a Kenny Omega or something of the world they are you know they're an exceptional um, you know product I just happen not to like them and my long way of getting around this is that I am more and more accepting the fact and this is this is fine by the way I'm allowed to do this just as well as anyone else is I'm starting to come to the acceptance that NXT sort of isn't really my thing and it's just I don't know I, I just I prefer your, your sort of your, your WWE you know performance and, and, and way of putting things together than I do NXT because I just feel NXT's a little bit it's a little bit too cool for school and even by using that expression I, I 
date myself tremendously as a, <laughs> as, a, as a prat. And so, listen, I am not saying NXT is bad. It isn't. It's tremendously good. It knows its market. It books its all. It books tremendously well, and it has some really great talent that is produced for the main roster. This is by no means a knock on NXT. If anything, I should praise it to the hilt because time and time and time again, it is reviewed brilliantly. It is appreciated by its target audience and it produces the talent that it's supposed to produce. So this is not a knock on NXT. I just don't think it's my thing. I just I cannot get as excited for it as so many other people did. I really enjoyed a couple of the matches, particularly the main event. But of course, um which was to be to be fair, but I thought the main event was more of a WWE production. Do you know what I mean by that? It was yeah, the, yeah, the, it was more uh, of an old school story that they've been telling over a long period of time. But I thought the tag matches and I thought especially the ladder match and whatever just I thought it was just a bit indie and it's like I'm just not I'm not crazy about that style I, I thought the ladder match in particular I just tuned out it just felt like a stunt show and oh mate I, just, I know I, just I know you're it. not I know you're not a ladder match fan I know it, you said it before it's yeah. not your bag I thought well, first of all I thought it was arguably the up and down the best wrestling card I've ever seen in my life I oh, thought okay. it, I thought it was utterly tremendous. Four of the five matches to me were seriously upper echelon. Um, I just thought it was I just thought it was wonderful. I normally complain about the NXT crowds as well, but either they weren't as bad or I didn't notice them this time around. Um, and I just thought it was utterly utterly brilliant. The ladder match, my my favourite match was the main event too, also. But the ladder match, I think, and I, it's not an original thought this, but I think it's the best multi-man ladder match there has ever been uh, I just think it was so finely balanced between the, num- the, the the talent the spots the people to cheer for the way it went up and down in terms of drama the content I just thought you know it wasn't overly gimmicky there was some there was some there were some big spots the particular one that stood out to me that was wholly unnecessary was Velveteen Dream um, hitting I can't remember what the move was was it some kind of sit out power bomb or something like that whilst balancing on a ladder that was horizontal between a turnbuckle and another ladder um, I just thought it was unnecessarily risky and not particularly impressive after we spent ages setting it up but by and large wonderful ladder match wonderful example of that type of match where I think the right guy won and um, I just thought it, I just thought it was Tremendous. There was no story going into it as such, but if you're going to do a match like that, that is 100% the way to do it. And a funny fact, I, I don't put too much stock behind star ratings, between by Meltzer star ratings, I think, frankly, he does a lot of it to provoke a reaction. But in a, as a trivia point, this is the first card since something like 1986, 87, anywhere in the world where he's rated two matches five star. Is that right? Mm, yeah, the ladder match... Um, and the main event I don't necessarily agree if I was going to go star ratings I don't think I could go five for the ladder match I think I'd maybe go four and a half 100% I'd go five stars and above I'd go six stars oh, in the melts of balance I'm not going to I'm not going to but I would I would I would give it every cre- I thought the main event was just sensational sensational in terms of presentation in terms of the time they've been allowed to build that very personal story the stage of the booking the two guys they came off as the biggest heel and the biggest baby face in wrestling the finish got me 
like when Gargano sat down next to him and called back to that cruiserweight classic match, it grabbed me. I thought, oh, he's 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 relenting. He's he's seeing the light. What an idiot! Champa's going to turn on him, and then it just thought, and then he was proved to be the smart man the whole along. I just thought it was just wonderful. Um, Black, uh, Alistair Black against Andrade Almas. Again, great match, great booking. Loved the way they used Selena Vega. Um, brilliant to see Black win the title. Although, sadly, I'd, I'd like to have seen, um, I'd like to see our boy Andrade hold it a little bit longer. He's been a much better champ than I could possibly imagine. Uh, the women's championship match. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm blathering. I'm, I'm going to no, stop. No, 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 no. You carry on, carry on. I thought the women's championship match was, although the worst match on the card, I thought it was way better than I expected because it was kept short and to the point. <laughs> See, uh, I, I think it's the second best one on the, on the oh card. Man. Oh, man. Uh, I really, really like the... No, correction. It's not necessarily the second best match. For when you're going back in future years um, and watching matches just based on the entertainment value of the match as a standalone match at that moment in time, no, of course it's not. But I thought, in terms of what it was supposed to do, I and it's mainly I'm a big fan of Shayna Baszler. You are. I think she's really good and she's really effective, and she's not going to be um, a huge, you know, popular, you know, star in the eyes of the fans about what a great worker she is. But she looks like she can hurt you, and I, I have a big thing about this in wrestling. There's not enough people sometimes that look like they can hurt you. It doesn't matter how big they are. It doesn't matter if they're Lars Sullivan or Daniel no. Bryan. And I use Daniel Bryan as an example of someone, even though he's little and he's not very muscular, Bryan looks like he can hurt you. He looks like when he knees you or when he puts you in a hold, it looks like it hurts to hell. Whereas some people, yep. you know, Sid is always the example that people say, you know, Sid looked a million dollars and then when he was trying to punch someone, it looked like he was a cat trying to bat away a ball of string. Uh, that's not an original um, observation. I can't remember who, who said that and I, I've copied it. But it's all about looking legit. And I think... Shayna looks legit and I so, I, so does Ember Moon I like 100%. her I like her and I'm pleased that she's been called up but I think long term there is a women's title match at Wrestlemania 36 maybe between Ronda Rousey and, and Shayna Baszler you know if they if they hang around for long enough and stay healthy and are booked well I, I you know I think she's money and so that's one of the reasons I enjoyed that match so much because I I liked how legit she looked and I thought that that's a that's your next you know, you can do what they've done with Asuka sort of thing, you know, Booker is unbeatable for the next two years. That's that's why I love that match so much because I thought the booking was great. But yeah, I'm not, I'm clearly not saying it's on the level of some no. of the entertainment value of the matches. I'm just saying I liked it for its for its sensibility and it, it, it moved you on to the next um, instalment of both of their careers really, it really It did nice. its job. It did its job and that's why I liked it. Um, and then the tag team match um, maybe didn't quite hit my sky high expectations but still a very good match with an interesting twist at the end one we probably should have seen coming to be fair but um, Roderick Strong being with Undisputed Era makes all the sense in the world and bizarrely I think it might have turned Pete Dunn babyface yes which is, um, an interest, which is an interesting position for him to be in well I wouldn't do that for a start I don't think he's a, I think he's a very very good heel um, well the better uh, they are as a heel mate the better they make a baby face true but I think he's not really been established in NXT yet we're more familiar with him because of our knowledge of British wrestling and indeed the uh, the British tournaments have, have you seen his reactions I, well, whilst whilst in terms of time frame you're right but the reactions he gets every time on, he's on NXT 
are of a guy that is supremely over. I, 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 no, 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 I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not supremely over, but they cheer everyone. They right? do, you're right. They you're cheer right. everyone. It's not the point about what, what reactions of cheering they get. It's about how they... Can, listen, you've only got to look at someone like Kurt Angle in his heyday, where Kurt Angle's music used to hit, and they would cheer, and then four seconds later they were saying, you suck. Now they do it nostalgically. Yes. But at the time, they were chanting, you suck, because the character was one that they were supposed to dislike. But they sort of went, oh, it's Kurt, I like him. Oh, no, wait, hang on, he's a heel. You suck. That's your reaction. I don't mind if they cheer the, the very first you know, um, beat of someone's music, because that's just an instinctive thing. But you should then switch to going, boo. They booed the living hell out of Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. Right? That's a heel, by the way. And every single person in that building knows how good he is. And every yep. single person in that building would have gone, he's one of the best wrestlers in the company right now. This is one of the best storylines I've ever seen, whatever. But they booed the hell out of him. It's like, that is the correct reaction. And Pete Dunne is good enough that he could do that. If you yep. gave Pete Dunne a proper, let's say it was with Tyler Bate, that's the match that we're familiar with. If you did a six-month, 12-month, 18-month thing with Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne, the same way that they've done Gargano and Ciampa, that crowd would boo Pete Dunne until their mouth was hoarse because he's that good as a heel and he would need someone and I think Bate is that good as a sympathetic baby face so I, I just think it's a little bit soon in his United States career to be bowing to the cheers because I actually don't think they'll last very long because although he's a great wrestler he's not yet a great baby face character because at some point he's going to have to talk, and what, what he's going to, and what he, what's going to end up happening is he's going to talk like this, and the Americans aren't really going to understand. <laughs> because if you actually look at what 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 Spud does, he he hides his accent. So he does big I, time. I, I don't know if if Dunn can do that. Maybe he can. Devil certainly couldn't. I think he he tried to, and it came out with this. That was that forced weird delivery that he had as a as as the king of cruiserweights, which I think was really cartoony. It was his wrestling that got him over. As a as a babyface, and I never felt that heel Neville was at the same level because I thought he was too cartoony. Dunn, okay. however, can do the opposite. He can do everything with his body language in the ring, and he's such a good heel. By look, isn't he an ugly little prat? Do you not oh, look yes. at him and go, ugly little pug nosed git? Right? First, <laughs> no, seriously, I've never met the man. I'm sure he's a lovely fella. I have no idea what he's like in real life, but he's not a he's not an attractive man. And there's just something punchable about him. And I think that's the first step on, on the way to a heel, if you've just got that little smug face. And so he's halfway there. And I just think his mannerisms are tremendous. And I, and when he just... Who did he hit in the tournament? Oh, it was him. Sam Gradwell, was it? Yeah, but just for the hell of it, wasn't it? Yeah, well, gonna hit you just for the hell him out, it. yeah. Yeah. And then Regal told him off, and he was like, yeah, okay, mate. And I thought, oh, I love this guy. As a heel, yep. I, want a, I, want a, I want you to get your comeuppance, mate. But, you know, as a character, you know, some of the, our favourite ever characters from soaps and all this kind of stuff are the bad guys. And I think he could be a favourite bad guy before eventually turning babyface. I just think it's way too soon. We've gone off on a tangent. I apologise. But it's because I think he's got so much potential going forward. I don't want to see them do it too early. Strong is almost the opposite. I don't see that... I've never been a Roderick Strong guy. He's an excellent wrestler, but he's, he's a Dean Malenko to me. He's just... All he can do is wrestle. He's got oh, nothing I agree. More. I fully agree. And I don't. Th I think he's so milk toast. I think he's so ordinary that he'll he'll Roderick does nothing for me whatsoever. You know, I, I guess there's the sort of the Tully Blanchard side of things that you know Tully was always able to be a good you know fourth member of the Horsemen because 
you know, Flair and JJ did the talking and Arn did the snarling and Tully could just kind of go along being a good worker but letting everyone else heal it up. I guess there's a little bit of that because Adam Cole is a good enough front man and the other two oh. are weird looking enough to uh, to back him up. Unquestionably. So I yeah, I think that's exactly what will work. It kind of works, so I, I understand that. I don't like heel turns after 25-minute matches. I sort of think, why didn't you do that at the start? Well, why didn't you I just would... walk out and smash him in the face in the opening I minute? would... My only concession to that would be to say that it set up the humiliation that much more. Yeah. So, in the, but so I say that works. But what they should have done is be careful for him not to hit either of the other guys. Yeah. Which they could have done because they could have had Roderick Strong going after the Authors of Pain yeah. exclusively. Or getting, and or getting fake injured and going backstage and. Either or, yeah. but the fact that they had it, he had him beating up. And again, the only saving grace I can put on that is was he was building the surprise because Undisputed Era certainly didn't know that he was going to do that. So um, you could you could you could pick, you could build around those plot holes, but you it's you a plot hole nonetheless. You certainly could. It, it is not uh, by any stretch. It's not a, a straw man argument of mine to say I didn't like the match because blah 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 because no. that's just ludicrous. I am citing it as one of a few reasons why it wasn't my kind of thing. I also didn't like the fact that they treated it as a tornado tag for basically 10 minutes and then started to stand <laughs> on the ring and it was like this has either been thrown out by now and everyone's been disqualified or you might as well just have the entire match like that and I thought it was a little bit too similar to I had six guys running around jumping off ladders and I had six guys running around having a tag match I forget what order they were in you know you'll correct me if um, it was, uh, it think... was what, match one and match three okay so I'd already seen which what was, what, what was first it was the ladder match. The ladder match was first, right? Yeah, correct, right? So I, I'd already seen six guys you know, running around, and I, it felt like the same thing. Again, that's not the fault of the match. That's the fault of the, the booking of the show. But I would have rather seen a proper tag encounter than you know, all of the frenzy stuff at the start. But again, I'm, Fair I'm, I'm picking holes, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is explain my reasoning. I'm not wrong. Anyone listening to me and saying he's wrong, I'm not wrong. I am right. But you're right as well. If you like it, then you're right as well. There is not really a right and a wrong. It's, it's, it's a... It, but the thing is it is acceptable to think differently to someone else and I am absolutely not saying that either NXT or the Arctic Monkeys are bad I am just saying <laughs> I recognise that it is not necessarily for me and if you gave me a freebie to sit at the front of an Arctic Monkeys concert I would not do, I would not go well um, you can pass it on to me and so and exactly, that's exactly what I would do I would give it to a mate um, for maybe about half of the face value because <laughs> <laughs> I've got to uh, I've got to eat I've got to eat you know uh, anything else you, you want to uh, mention about the the NXT show in uh, in its isolation and not with the, the live I would uh, just to go back to the main event I just thought the way it was you know so, you said it felt like a WWE um, produced effort in the main event I couldn't disagree more I thought it felt like something so much more sorry nuanced sorry to interrupt I don't necessarily mean uh, the WWE of this moment in time. I was more oh, meaning. Okay. I was more meaning like wrestling in its totality. So you, for, All right. for okay. that you can include any of the better aspects of any company. So, you know things like how they did stuff, um, you know, with injury angles in World Class, or how they did, you know, episodic television in in Mid South, or you know all sorts of you know good examples from history. When we cherry pick the best examples of wrestling angles from history. I think this is in that context up there. Okay. And I think Fine. it is it is Triple H or whomever it is that's booking it learning from things that have worked in history and applying that and taking it through. Whereas again, for example, I'm not slagging it again, 
but that ladder match did not, you know, look at how effective Nick Bockwinkle was in AWA. It was no. just a bunch of fellas jumping off of things. Now, one people, you can argue that it was done very effectively. You can argue that it wasn't irrelevant, but it wasn't based upon some great stuff in history. It was just another step forward of the ladder match at Evolution, which to me is not a good one. But Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano could have done what they've done step for step. In 2018, 2008, 1998, 1978, 1948, Definitely. and it would have worked. Definitely. Because it's such classic, brilliant antagonist versus protagonist storytelling where to a man, woman, and child, you want the hero to succeed. Now, okay, there will be assholes going, no, I prefer Champa. Whatever, mate. If you if you prefer Champa, you're a, you're a knob. I've just said about it being right and wrong, but you are <laughs> wrong, okay? You can prefer him as a worker. You can say he's a better performer than Johnny Gargano. That's fine. That's your opinion. But in that storyline, if you were rooting for Ciampa to win, you're an, you're an idiot. Clearly, the right and wrong, the good and the evil, is perfectly spelled out in that in that in in that storyline, and has been every single step of the way. No nuance here. No, I prefer Roman Reigns to Brock Lesnar. No, I prefer John Cena to The Undertaker. None of that, and I'm not knocking them either, but this is very clear. Down the line, good versus evil, and 99.74% of people are cheering for Johnny Gargano, and that is why it's successful. It It is the booking first and foremost, but it is the talent a, a, a milli, milli, you know, second away from it, because obviously you can't do that with two stiffs. They've got to be really, really, really good at what they do. But they can be the best workers in the entire world. If they're given a rubbish storyline, they're dead before they started. So one is the, to me, is the booking, but one A is the talent, and it's just, it is almost immaculate. All I'll say to close on this one is that you often talk about what match or what you would show a non-wrestling yeah. fan to try and this goes this whole story from the very start from from their amazing 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 tag team matches through to the breakup through to the shenanigans in the while Champa was injured to this match that period that storyline that journey is what I would show from here on in that is the thing to show a non-wrestling fan if you want to see the best of wrestling here's a compilation go and watch this enjoy number one with an absolute bullet as a whole package I'm struggling to think of a better in terms of ring work feud writing you'll really really struggle to think of a better angle in history I'll give you one because it's because it's my favourite ever go on and I, and I don't think Champ and Gargano have, have, have surpassed that in my thinking possibly because they haven't been able to because they've not had the platform to but Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho of around 2008-9 um, okay. just to me is the greatest I've ever seen because I think they're two of the best in-ring competitors ever yep. um, but that story and how real it felt about Jericho's jealousy and about Shawn's wife getting involved and how you know, Shawn would get the best of a, a match but then Jericho would sneakily win the title and how that moved along and was told I, I will admit that it seemed a lot of it was told on the fly and that they were writing it as they were going along. Apparently, Sean and Chris had a lot of input into it. Um, and it was, you know, when they started it, they didn't know the end game. I suspect that when they first put DIY together, they had it in their mind that in a couple of years, we could do some brilliant one-on-ones here. So I absolutely would respect that, that Champer and Gargano is probably a better long-term thought-out story. 
but I thought that Sean and Jericho was so creative, so different, mm. so heartfelt, and just every single week I couldn't wait to see what these guys were going to do. And that was really my... And they had to do it uh, on a more modern WWE programming, which included doing things on a pay-per-view every month and a TV, two or three hours of a TV show every week. What Ciampa and Gargano have the benefit of is older school WWF yep. booking shall we say when you used to have four or five pay-per-views a year and your TV show is re- is one hour so what you have to produce for NXT they don't have to be on NXT every week they don't have to be producing something that's going to get ratings for the following week they don't have to be on every pay-per-view you know for months and months and months they can do it here and that whole angle there's a li- I tell you what it's a bit reminiscent of it's not the same angle because it's a completely different style but the whole mega powers thing if you go back yeah. and look at the mega powers and how from savage and um hogan getting together to savage winning the title to the suspicion to the breakup to the match at wrestlemania six five um it takes place over a sort of 18 month period which looks like it was very clearly sketched out in advance but it was done over you know a wrestlemania a SummerSlam, a royal rumble and another wrestlemania with about half a dozen or so saturday night's main events Yep, and it's you know realistically, if you move that if you'd have moved that feud to the Attitude Era 1999, you know Raw, that Mega Powers thing probably would have happened in about ten weeks. Agreed. Six months, absolute maximum. But they would have powered through it, and you'd have still enjoyed it. But they'd have powered through it because they just had to do weekly television. We move on a little bit for Sean and Jericho, but you had to do weekly television, and they were and producing great promos, great angles, great video packages. And then ultimately, wonderful matches. So that's the one that jumps to my mind as being ahead of Champa and Gargano. But I have to say, I'm not. I'm not coming up with dozens. You know, I'm not, I'm, we're talking about the whole of wrestling here. It, I think it genuinely is going to be up there. The only reason it might not be is because, quite frankly, NXT is nowhere near that. Whatever people might think, NXT is still nowhere near the level of of Raw, SmackDown, the main WWE roster. But it's getting there, no. and it's getting higher. And actually the quality of something shouldn't necessarily the the amount of people that see it shouldn't necessarily preclude it from judging its quality really so um, you know Bournemouth players aren't necessarily worse than Manchester United's because they only play in 12,000 rather than 70,000 you know a Premier League game is a Premier League game so I guess you could argue that there's no real um, suggestion that it's a you know a success or a failure based on it being an NXT what you should judge it on is how much money it makes that's essentially what the uh, true what true the, but we can't do that well anymore because the, yes no, we, no we can't because NXT as a brand is over so NXT will sell out house shows and whatever or do whatever number it is of house shows with or without Gargano and Champa and um, one day they're going to go up to the main roster and that's going to help or hinder but the way the network is set up and the way the brands are set up it's so much harder to work out who shifts numbers anymore so I wouldn't judge it on that I don't think in modern day wrestling you can judge it like that in WWE you probably could do if it was you know Ring of Honor and suddenly the crowds were going up and you know eye pay-per-views were going up based upon their their headlining of it but I don't think you really can judge NXT that way so I'll, I'll let them a pass for that but bottom line it's one of the best things we've ever seen and I'm, I'm I'm certainly not. Uh, I'm certainly not uh, anti this match, even if I am a little bit down on some of the rest of it compared to other people's views. Fair news. Right. Shall we move on to the main event? The main event. The main event of this podcast, i.e., the granddaddy of them all. 
WrestleMania. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, I was wondering what you were you were getting at. But uh, oh yeah, we probably should uh, do a little bit of WrestleMania chat, shouldn't we? Now, here's the thing. Actually, genuinely, me and Paul have talked about lots and lots of things during the week, including uh, things that have happened on Raw and SmackDown, things that have happened in the Hall of Fame, things that have happened around Hooked On. But we actually haven't had a conversation about WrestleMania since I guess we were having a coffee around about midday the following day, as we were yep. both waiting to jump on. Um, respective trains back to where where we were heading from. So um, we chatted a little bit at a bleary-eyed five o'clock in the morning, and then a little bit the following day. But we were we were kind of in different positions as far as WrestleMania was concerned at the time. And you'll be surprised to hear, folks, because especially since the, the way we just panned out the NXT chat. But Paul, who I would say is generally a little bit more cynical than me, as far as well, at least a little bit more polarizing than me. If things are often on, amazing or crap to him where I'm a little bit more middle of the road Paul is a little bit higher on Wrestlemania than I am are you not? yeah yeah I am Um, I thought it was a good show overall I would also say unfortunately it didn't quite meet expectations Um, but those expectations were probably far too high to be met and we talked about that going in didn't we? we did Um, but I enjoyed it immensely I thought it was I thought there was I thought it had its. I thought it had some tremendous moments. It also had some very frustrating moments, and then it had some moments that look odd at the time, but with the benefit of hindsight, make much more sense. I think I can draw a parallel to uh, your WWF versus WCW arguments from, let's say, ninety six, ninety seven, around about there, which was an era when. WCW had a very strong undercard and then had main events which were, although were full of big names your mm-hmm. Hogan's, your Pipers your Savages whoever I would say, I think it's fair to say and our friends on Because WCW could maybe back us up on this I would say I think it's fair to say that the main events of WCW from let's say around about 96 to 98 are pretty poor Yes. Then they might deliver sometimes on a storyline basis and move things on as far as NWO were concerned. But if you're a wrestling purist, if you want to watch, you know, your Gargano versus Champa that we've just been talking about there and show that to other people, I don't think you're showing them Hogan Warrior and Hogan Piper and Lex Luger matches and whatever from 1996-7 in WCW. However, the product was hot as hell, the TV show was working, and the undercard was full of really great matches even if they weren't getting the, uh, the headlines. WWF, meanwhile, might have had a, a pretty skinny mid-card that wasn't really working for them, but your main events, which were involving Brett and Sean and Austin and, yep. you know, whoever else, delivering time and time again. Wonderful main events. Yeah, agreed. I'm going to say that there's a little bit of the NXT and WrestleMania about this in the sense that I, th- I would absolutely prefer the first two or th- two and a bit hours of WrestleMania to the opening two, two and a bit hours of NXT. In my opinion, and I stress that because we've been talking about this all show, but I loved WrestleMania to a point. I thought it was a really bubbling well um, undercard full of really good stuff. I was intrigued by who was going to win. Obviously, there'll be exceptions, but for the most part, I thought it was really, really sound. And then if you just take a little bit off, we'll talk about, um, I think AJ Nakamura is a subject we're going to get into a little bit deeper. But if you take that to one side, at a point it started to fade, and then I thought the main event of WrestleMania 
I think was probably the worst WrestleMania main event of all time. And I don't say that lightly, and I'm saying that in, in, the, in the basis that we've had things like Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. Mm. I think it was probably the worst main event of all time, and I'll come to why shortly. The NXT show, lots of it, I wouldn't give you tuppence for because it's not my kind of wrestling. However, that's one of the greatest main events of all time. And I just think <laughs> I would love to swap the two. I would love to <laughs> yeah, take I know out. I would love to take out Brock and uh, Roman and present to the WrestleMania world Ciampa versus Gargano and put it in the main event. And if you did that, I think you'd be talking WrestleMania 34 as one of the greatest ever WrestleManias. I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's all a lot of it though. You have to say is down to the main event. We judge a lot of things on the main events. And I have to judge WrestleMania on its main event, and I thought it was atrocious. Overall, I would give WrestleMania more of a thumbs up than a thumbs down. I thought there was sufficient in the presentation that was entertaining, that was good wrestling, um, that was good booking, if you want to be that nuanced. I thought there was plenty in there to, for anyone to enjoy. All right, it's a long night, but I thought, generally speaking, it was it was it was jolly good. And although the main event to me was appalling. It doesn't do enough to detract from the overall presentation. My issue was that I just didn't think it was necessarily one for the ages. There was not all that many things that stood out to me as, you know, those of you that have been longer term listeners will know that last year we did our WrestleMania mixtape. Now, Mm. I think it'd be very easy to decide what our mixtape match would be. Of course. Um, Would you agree with me that it would be... Triple H and Steph versus Hunt, uh, versus Kurt Angle and Ronda. Without question. Okay, so we'll, we'll you know we'll p- p- pretend that we didn't have the little um, you know tete a tete that we used to in the old days for that that segment, and we'll just admit that that goes on. But overall, you know, the reason we were talking about that kind of feature was that there were some WrestleManias where you would go, "Wow, well, is it um, uh, is it Macho Man and Steamboat, or is it Hogan and Andre?" You know, and there were various WrestleManias where you have that kind of conversation. You know, is it Sean and Jericho or is it Angle and Lesnar? Yes. Is it, you know, there's lots of those kind I of WrestleManias. I see what you're saying with this, yeah. And I don't think it's even a contest on this year's one. I think it's easy that match. And I just think if you never saw most of the matches on WrestleMania this year, I don't think it matters. I don't think there was a lot of stuff that made you go, that is something I'm going to be remembering years and years and years down the line it, none of it felt vital to me apart from the first ever match of Ronda Rousey the rest of it felt like if you missed it it wasn't the end of the world but if you did sit and watch it for four and a half hours with the exception of the main event I thought it was I thought it was really entertaining stuff in the here and now but I don't think it stands up long term that's what I'm going to say I do agree with that actually um, and I think it's a problem that some Wrestlemania's nowadays have I think that Although, although I will say, take WrestleMania 32, for instance, dreadful WrestleMania, but that one didn't feel like canon. It felt like nothing mattered going in or coming out. I'd say this one's slightly different in that I probably expected it to be more definitive. I expected a lot more to come to conclusion and, and be really sort of final. There was a lot more where WrestleMania was step one or step two in a longer story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it suffered as a card because they tried that too many times. And I don't think there was much pure definition from the card. I don't think you walked out being able to feel completely satisfied because none of the stories or very few of the stories allowed you that satisfaction. Most were saying to be continued. Um, 
and I think that that made it suffer. I think the other thing that they struggled with is that they, um, the pl- I think the placement on the card was was pretty poor. And the, the most stark example of that was so you had Charlotte against Asuka. Um, very surprising result in in Charlotte winning, but in hindsight and with the benefit of seemingly knowing where they're going or, or thinking I know where they're going and that is a main event of Charlotte against um, Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania next year I can completely understand that result the mistake they made is compounding that unpopular result following it the US title match now very simply who cares who's got the US title it really means not a jot if they'd have given that title to Rusev you'd have brought that crowd right back they would have been right back into it and begging to eat out your hands again but because you gave them another unpopular result to me that killed the crowd um in terms of its trust in the show and you yes they got them right back for stephanie and triple h but that was it um the rest of the card the the crowd had lost the faith and the main event was the ultimate resolution to that and it stunk and um I just think they could have been a lot smarter with some of the finishes that didn't mean anything. If they needed, they had certain matches where they needed a finish to go with something and they probably should have been smarter with the ones that they that, that weren't so important in using those to bring the audience back on their side. Very good point. Um, yes, I agree. Um, we'll come back to some uh, match quality things shortly. I, I, I want to say that I think overall between the two of us, we're, we're both, we're both thumbs up on WrestleMania. We both think it was a good product. Um, we both think it's worth watching, but we're just we're trying to be a little bit more intricate than we would normally because I think it's because we talked on the on the way in about how it was looking like one of the best ever WrestleMania cards, and by saying that, I think we admitted that as well that it almost certainly couldn't live up because because no. the expectations were so high. So there's a, there's a weird um, there's a weird um, level to this, um, which is personified, um, I think, by AJ versus Shinsuke. So I, I want to talk about that match next. Okay. Um, it went 20 minutes. Um, I think it was the the longest match. I think the, it was the second longest by about 30 seconds behind um, Ronda and Hunter and right. so forth. Because I think there was a, someone chucked a stat out the other week that Triple H has been in the longest match of like nine of the last 11 WrestleManias or something like that. Okay. But, but AJ and Shinsuke is, is pretty much its equal. So it is as long as any match that took place that night. And I think if... This was two people that you'd never seen before, and you watched the match. I think you'd go. This is a jolly good match. Um, I think that the the point that you made leading in, which is one of the best points I've ever heard you make, was was um, <laughs> about the fact that people didn't have a side, uh, you know, going into it. We just talked about Gargano and Champa being the the perfect example of wanting someone to win and not the other. Um, you know, this was not that case. Um, this was people liking both guys and not really having a reason to uh, root for one. Um, what we saw, I think, was a perfectly acceptable wrestling match that was as good a technical wrestling match. In fact, it probably what it probably was the best quote wrestling match on the card. Probably, you know, uh, maybe. It, it was a better wrestling match than Triple H and Kurt and Ronda and Steph was. It was, but that was a far better sports entertainment match, and I do not say that in a negative way. This is a sports entertainment product. I, I often would say what you if you go back and watch it and you don't know who anybody is and you're not getting any crowd reactions then there is absolutely no way you would judge Ronda Rousey and Triple H and so forth better than you know I'd say even 
a quarter of the, the matches on the card, um, three quarters of the card were probably better than that match from a from a, a wrestling perspective. But from a storytelling perspective, when you know who all the characters are, it was mind blowing. And again, we'll come back to it. I think AJ Shinsuke was a really, really good match. And I think if you'd have just thrown it in as an undercard match and the two of them had only just been called up from NXT, we'd have gone, what a lovely little mid-card doozy of a match. But we were expecting the greatest thing of all time. I think they knew that everyone was expecting the greatest thing of all time. And it almost even if they had the best match they could possibly have, some people would still go, I was expecting more. So mm-hmm. I think they deliberately took a bit of a pull, as they would say in the, uh, the horse racing world, you know, just kept it a little bit off the front, had a good match but not a great one, delivered an angle afterwards, and now Paul has his way. Paul has what he was asking for, someone to cheer for, someone to dislike. Okay, some people are going to still cheer Shinsuke anyway, but at the ne- I assume we're going to see these two at... Is it Backlash that's next? I assume yes. we're going to see these two at Backlash, and if we do, now the crowd can cheer for AJ over Nakamura. Yep, and, and I it think- will be a... Sorry, well, I, I think it will, I think it may well be the main event. We'll see what happens as far as the uh, the greatest Raw Rumble and the uh, the cage match and all that goes. But I suspect they might try and find a way of making AJ versus Shinsuke the main event of Backlash. And if they do, they might just go, "Okay, lads, go and have your 35 minute classic." Uh, I think they have set it up for the next match to be the better one. I think you're absolutely right. I think in every point you make there, I think they held the reins. I think they. They, they did not um, give the match that they could have done because they knew it was the first part, first chapter of the story. And that's what we all forgot to think about, really. We forgot to think that this wasn't going to be a match in isolation. This was going to be the first act. And you don't go all out on the first act. It's as simple as that. So, you know, if we'd have really sat down and thought about it logically, this was never going to be that super dream match that we're all waiting for. This was going to be part one. I've no doubt that these two guys are capable of it with the right stage, but I just think, I just, I don't know. I, I thought it coming in, and I think it even more so now. I, I don't think WrestleMania is the forum for that match. I think you need something a little bit smaller, where they can be the focus. Like you say, if they can be the main event of Backlash or maybe the pay per view after that, where they have the blow off, then I think you're going to be cooking. Then I think you're going to be talking about this stellar, absolute, all-time brilliant match because they're more than capable of it. Um, they just need the circumstances to be right and in my mind they were never right going into Wrestlemania um, purposefully and I think they're going to be right in the very near future to contradict myself ever so slightly I'm going to say that actually maybe the second one isn't necessarily the the, the biggest one maybe it's a third one it depends because the the way of telling this the full story if you want to go into a bit more of a three act play of it I think the next match should be if you want to do it's a bit predictable WWE style but if you want to do the whole um, you know ref bump AJ should win really but has to wake the ref up Nakamura low blow Kinshasa Nakamura wins the title that's probably the second step yep that's probably the next bit of storytelling is that Shinsuke wins by nefarious means and then the third match is AJ getting the belt back you know that's probably the correct order of storytelling so it may be that the third match, whenever that is, whether they have to wait a whole year for it or whether it's at the very next pay-per-view, I think the third match actually might be the one. However, the reason I'm going with the second one is I don't think they're going to give the belt to Shinsuke. I think they will keep it on AJ. I think AJ will still win the next one. I think they might skip Act 2. 
um, and go straight to three and just have AJ beat Nakamura after a long hard fought match because although um, I just I don't think they see any, I don't think they see Nakamura as the champ um, I, I think I they're going to skip it I don't think they'll see him as the long term champ as a storyline mechanic to get to that next point giving the belt for a month absolutely yeah I think they should I think I think that's what I would do I, I, I think they should and I think they will I think that's what I think that's exactly what we're heading for and I think it'll work really well um, good yes um, I now want to talk before we go on to talking about other matches which we liked um, I want to talk about Braun Strowman uh, mm. and Nicholas and Cesaro and Sheamus right um do you have any strong thoughts, or, or can I put my side of things first? Because I've got a kind of a bit—I've got a bit of a narrative on this. Well, please do. I've got some strong thoughts, but if you've been putting putting some thought into it, go for it. Okay, I don't have an issue, broadly speaking, with the way they did it. Okay. Um, I think it was—if you take a step back from your cynicism, I'm talking to anybody here, not just you, Paul. If you take back from a bit of cynicism, what it was was a kind of cool moment where now I think there's some suggestions that the kid is the son of someone that works there a referee or something like that I don't know if that's true it might be scurrilous that's, that's I, true yeah it, I mean it, I don't know that it's true because no one's presented me with a birth certificate so even if lots of people online are saying it's true that doesn't mean we know <laughs> fair it's enough true. however it is probably likely I don't think it's the kind of thing you can do without setting up beforehand but even so it's a bit of fun the idea is that Braun Strowman is so good he can beat those two guys on his own right that's the point here. The point is not his tag team partner, the kid, helped him. The point is that he can beat Sheamus and Cesaro on his own. Now, you can talk about whether that's bad for the tag team division or you like. I'm not interested in that at this point. What I'm saying is, for we talk about WrestleMania moments. I don't think it's one necessarily for the ages in a WrestleMania um, mixtape. But for a lot of people, they watch wrestling as just a fun form of entertainment. And they would have smiled at the idea of having a kid being involved in the match, him having a moment, him waving to the crowd, having a belt over his shoulder. And do you know what? When the kid was shown on Raw the following night in front of that cynical old crowd, they cheered the hell out of him. They, yeah. got, a, they got a kick out of it. I think if you just go, it's wrestling, enjoy it. You just smile at the fact that it was done. You go, okay, fair enough. There's no real harm done here. The point is, Braun Strowman is the biggest badass in the history of WWE. I can't wait to see what he does next. This was all about making Braun look even better. Sheamus and Cesaro are good enough to bounce back from their loss, to go on and do what they need to do in a tag team manner. Braun moves on to whatever he does next. There's no issue whatsoever. However, the big problem I have was, A, this was placed in the effectively semi-main event position on WrestleMania. I know sometimes there are buffer matches, blah, 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 but if you are put on second to last and presented as a serious title match, you are in a huge position on WrestleMania. Having a 10-year-old kid for a slight comedy spot, I don't think is the right positioning. And secondly, wrestling fans love a guessing game. They love a mystery partner, they love a mystery opponent, they love a who's going to interfere, they love a who's going to debut. I do. Wrestling fans do generally. We like it, I think, broadly speaking, across the spectrum. And so we had some fun. Is it going to be Rey Mysterio? Is it going to be mm. Elias? Is it going to be Chris Jericho? Is it going to be Kenny Omega? Is it going to be the you know the dug-up corpse of you know any previous Rey? Is it going to be you know Frank Gotch? You know who who's it going to be? And actually, when it ended up being a kid, everyone went. Because oh. in our minds, in our naive minds, we'd all come up with better scenarios than anything that they were going to present. I think what they should have done all the way along was make it a handicap match. 
I think they should have said that Braun is going to wrestle on his own and they were forcing Braun to wrestle on his own or he's proven he can't work with a partner it has to be a handicap match and then you wouldn't have expected anything and if he'd have then said okay they've told me I've got to find a partner I don't need one so this kid would do you then go oh that's actually quite funny and you just accept it I think the again this is all about expectation the expectation of this Wrestlemania exceeded anything they could produce but it was they were their own worst enemy here. They booked themselves into a corner that they couldn't get out of. I still wonder whether they were trying to go with a mystery partner that let them down. I still wonder if that was supposed to be a Mysterio or a someone. And at the last minute they couldn't book them. Maybe it was meant to be a celebrity. Maybe it was meant to be something else. I wonder whether they were let down and they had to call an audible. But that's as, that's as maybe. Ultimately, they built up a huge surprise that we were all excited for, put it in the semi-main event of WrestleMania, and it ended up being a child. So I understand people going, I didn't enjoy that segment, it was a letdown. I think you can probably not allow it to affect your long-term perspective. I think in two years' time, if you're still going, I don't watch WWE because they did a stupid thing with this child, I think you need to get over it. But I could absolutely understand why it was... A, it was a disappointment to me. I thought it was a, a negative point of the night despite all the facts the things I've just said defending them but I think had they put it on third and had they not built up a mystery partner I think I'd have been saying no that was fun Um, I just thought it was a massive disappointment and I think that I'm a bit of and I admit I'm a, a bit of a traditionalist I understand that plenty of people find it fun look you know we've got our um, we've got our sheep contest running at the minute we've had all the entries in now or boggles down with detail right now but one of the questions was who was the MVP of Wrestlemania and significantly more than one person wrote Nicholas Um, I just thought it was silly I thought it was a slap in the face to what I like personally Um, I thought the whole thing was very contrived even to the point where see this this is one of those ones where I've realized I don't like it so I'm finding reasons to not like it but even when Seamus and Zara came out on that float which is completely out of character for them the only reason they came out on that float is so Braun Strowman could throw it off the stage yeah that's true simple as that and it bothered me it's, but I just thought it was, I just thought it was it's just not what I like to see in wrestling but the crowd loved it a lot of the people we were watching it loved it and clearly it's gone down well so job done to an extent um, just not remotely for me and it really piss me off <laughs> not to, to your, to your Braun and Nicholas to my ladder match on NXT there you go I just think I mean that's a perfect example uh, listen I'm not as high on Braun Strowman and Nicholas as you are on the ladder match on NXT I'm not saying that I'm not saying bring me more children's matches on Wrestlemania's I'm not saying that but I, I, I don't think it does anyone any harm I thought it was something a little bit silly I think what what they fa- what they did wrong was not have this happen this is probably something that should have happened on a non-Wrestlemania pay-per-view and should have happened third on the card where it was insignificant rather than in the in the hugely important position that it, that it could have been that's a, that's my only real downside of it I think generally I mean listen if you say to me you can find another way of doing the storyline and not having this at all then yeah brilliant I'd rather you found a, a way of doing Strowman versus someone else one-on-one and Strowman won it rather yeah. than doing all this caper but I, I, I don't think it does anyone any harm that's my that's my big thing is that I think on Monday night you book a way of you know them giving the tag team titles in you book a tag team tournament you, and you and going forward let's find a way of Braun Strowman um, 
you know getting himself back into the the, the top title picture and you know we can talk later on about the uh, uh, the, the, the WWE you know Universal Championship you know situation but I suspect that whether or not Lesnar's back for good or whether or not Roman wins in Saudi Arabia I suspect that one of them is going to face Braun sooner rather than later yeah I agree um, do you want to talk about the main event in any more detail or are we, are we accepting the fact that we both hated it no I don't want to discuss it I don't I don't want to give it any oxygen I thought it was poor I thought it was poor I loved the fact that no, let's talk about one, one little aspect it felt like a turning point it felt like the fans didn't greet it with outright hatred they just hate they just gave it apathy and hopefully that'll be enough apathy is the is the reaction that you need to give if you don't like something don't boo Roman Reigns if you want to get rid of him make no noise whatsoever correct um, if you want to boo him that's a reaction if you don't want to see him on your screens when he comes out to the ring go and get a coke turn your back on the ring look at your phone do anything but just don't react don't be part of it and I think to to a great degree that's what the fans did here they were they showed apathy and I think that more than anything will uh, will make a difference if you don't want to see Roman Reigns carry on that yes I think so um, a big thing that affected how I watched it and again, there's a little element of the, um, the NXT ladder match, but I promise I'm not going to go on about that anymore. I listened to uh, the Edge and Christian podcast, um, which I think they put out a couple of weeks ago, but I only listened to it, uh, I think, on the day of WrestleMania, on the way up on the train. Um, have you listened to it at all, the Edge and Christian um, episode with Brett and Steve Austin? I haven't had a chance yet. Okay. I intend to. For those that haven't heard it, uh, and I won't give away too much about it, but it's, I don't think it's a, it's like a spoiler thing. But they did, uh, I think they call it an anatomy of a match. It's quite a nice concept. The idea is that they'll talk about the uh, a specific match with the match combatants. Now, they've previously done one with Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley. Uh, but for their match, uh, was it Over the Edge? Was that the name of the pay-per-view? In, in, uh, in, uh, yes, it was, or yeah. Six, 96? Um, 96. Uh, that was the previous one they did. Well, this time they did a podcast with Bret Hart and Steve Austin talking about their match at Wrestlemania 13 it was mind games wasn't it sorry mind games was that what it was okay yeah it was okay cool um well the uh the Austin and Brett um match from Wrestlemania 13 was the one that they talked about and lots of what I heard I'd heard before but there were some interesting other points um not least the fact that Brett and Steve were talking to each other about it and filling in you know two guys in Edge and Christian that are you know former world champions and and you know respected individuals themselves although you know still fans and then they, they treated it I thought very respectfully but what I took out of it was that both Brett and Steve talked about the fact that they finished that match walked backstage and felt great not because it was been a great match they felt physically great and they both woke up the following morning feeling absolutely fine no after effects you know in some ways easier than some of the house show matches that they would have had in the past mm. they just said it wasn't a a heavy toll on the body it's not full of loads and loads and loads of bumps okay there's a blade job on it and I'm sure that hurt Austin a little bit the following day once the adrenaline had gone away but effectively that's a little cut okay bled a lot but it was it's effectively a little cut which you put a plaster over and there's no real long term effects you can argue about whether whether or not the blood should be used that's a totally different scenario but the pair of them weren't hurt if you watch all the, the big spots in there, there's a chair shot, but it's sort of to the back and to the shoulder. It's very safe. There's a shot where Brett's supposed to hit Steve with a bell, but he misses his head, and, and Steve sells it anyway. The pair of them basically talk about how wrestling is... You're not supposed to hurt the other guy. 
in boxing and in MMA and various other sports that are combat sports, you are trying to attack them and hurt them. They are real sports. This is professional wrestling. It is not a real sport. It is a predetermined um, venture. They should not hurt each other other than the things that wrestlers are trained to do that the rest of us would get hurt by, such as taking a back bump. Um, so they talk about one of... I would say most people, if you were trying to do best matches of all time, or even best matches of WrestleMania of all time, uh, we've got to say top five, top three, maybe even top one, haven't we? Yes, definitely top three, arguably top one, yeah. Most people are going to be having Bret and Steve from WrestleMania 13 as one of the greatest matches of all time, one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, and one of the most significant matches of all time because of how it turned Steve led to the business of 97 with Brett being a heel, led in yep. directly to Montreal, and led to Steve Austin's meteoric rise. So that is the importance of that match, and the pair of them didn't hurt one another. At WrestleMania 34, which is supposed to be the biggest WrestleMania of all time, because everyone is supposed to be the biggest WrestleMania of all time, in the main event of the biggest WrestleMania of all time, all they did was hit each other's finishers on each other, and then Brock Lesnar legitimately battered him with his elbow and split him open appallingly like yep. I mean stomach churningly now listen Roman will be cut the cut is not going to do him a lot of damage the elbows to the head bloody might do we know enough about concussions and I thought they got enough backlash from the legit opening up of Randy Orton at SummerSlam a couple of years ago to not ever do that again they had to resort to that on the main event of Wrestlemania to legitimate elbow strikes to cut a man open to a really quite stomach I would not I mean Paul and I had a conversation last week uh, you know privately about Paul introducing his son to wrestling going forward you were talking about introducing Samuel to things weren't you mm, yeah well, would you want your kids in that of course not not in so a million years he, he would be having nightmares he would not want to go back to wrestling again it would frighten him he wouldn't want to see Roman Reigns it would frighten that would frighten your son and I think you would be within your rights to say I'm not going to show him WWE for a good few years now if they're going to resort to that kind of thing. Some yep. people will go, brilliant, more blood, it's, it adds excitement, blah, blah, blah. Forget the, the dangers of it from a sort of hepatitis standpoint. I'm not even going to get into that. It's a long, long situation. I just don't think it's needed in certain circumstances. I agree that it would have it made the drama of Brett and Austin, it made it more because of the, the visual of it coming down Austin's face. But even that you know, substantial blood on Austin was anything, nothing like the... Um, the blood coming down Roman Reigns that was double click fill colour that was just oh, whoosh, yeah, yeah. suddenly he was red <laughs> nice and, point oh, it was just ugh, I can't be having that and so we've got to a point have we where we now have to deliberately hurt one another and split each other open and by the way he didn't even win the whole point of the blood with Austin was to make him look heroic and then he would okay Austin lost but he looked heroic in losing Roman Reigns didn't he got his ass kicked Okay, he kicked out of a few F5s, but he got his ass kicked. And it didn't even benefit him. If he'd won, I could have seen a, a slight argument for it being a positive. But there's no positives here. Two men that can't do anything other than hit big moves and finishes on each other just had a really bad WrestleMania match, and then one may have given the other a concussion, and both are less over than they were two weeks ago. It's a failure. It's a huge, huge failure. Oh, absolutely. I think the regression of Brock Lesnar since he started this suplex city stuff is just sad um, he's capable of so much more does he want to is he allowed to who knows but to resort to like you say just 
finish after finish for a whole match is not entertaining. It's not. It's just not. Um, Roman Reigns. How long? He's a lost cause. How long will he persist? Four WrestleMania events in a row, and he gets less, less interesting and less over as it goes on. Um, we say it's a broken record, but they have to they have to accept that it's not happening with Roman Reigns because it is not happening with Roman Reigns. It's not driving business. It's not driving interest. It's just driving people away. Um, there's no pos- there's no plus points from this WrestleMania main event. It was like you say it was it was dreadful from an in-ring standpoint, from a business standpoint. It were you know you, you could have had the greatest show of all time, but you put that as the main event and everyone's going home pretty somber. I just thought it was I just thought it was so poor. Um, we, we will talk about the nature of Brock winning. Um, who's where's it going to go in the future? Another time. It's not worth yes, it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have the greatest Royal Rumble event we're going to talk about next week. Um, so we'll discuss that uh, a bit nearer the time. But yeah. um, you know that is certainly part of you know the, the build to that match, and I think that's when we can address it. What I will say is, if if the only reason that they put Brock over in that match was to try and deflect away from the backlash they were going to get from giving it to Reigns, it didn't work. So nope. um, that's uh, they were they completely put themselves into a corner and were unable to bring themselves out of it. Um, over to you, WWE, to see if you can rectify the situation. Um, well, I think we've done most of the controversial stuff. I'll, I'll do. I'll throw one more to you because I think this has um, divided some people. Um, I want to know what you thought of the Undertaker versus John Cena. And when I say that, I mean in its totality. So I'm talking yeah, sure. um, build up to WrestleMania, Cena in the crowd, referee announcement, backstage, coming back out, Elias Taker, the whole works. What did you think? Okay, I'm going to work on the assumption. Uh, that they knew early on in this whole process that Undertaker couldn't wrestle a full match. That's the basis of my thoughts on this. I'm going to take that as a given. If that's the case, I thought, taking everything into account, I think they probably did quite a good job. I know I ragged on the build last time, but that was me ragging on the build, expecting a 20-minute match, a big main event-style match. If Taker can only give three minutes woe betide you if you build it up to be a big match because you're going to set fans to shit all over it if if that's all I'd rather have what they gave than nothing at all because I like to say we've seen Cena Taker at Wrestlemania and I thought the whole piece they were out there they were out there for about 20 minutes I liked the fact that when it went dark and everyone expected Taker you had the guitar strings instead and it was Elias I thought that was great for his character I thought that would really help Elias going forward um I thought that bit was very entertaining with Cena taking him out, and then I liked I liked Taker coming back. I thought it was great to see it was a, he looked good um, physically. I thought it was a good WrestleMania entrance, and I yeah we only got a three minute match, but we got to see John Cena against the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, I was quite pleased, given the limitations. I was pleased with it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was absolutely, okay. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought it great. was great. I just really, really enjoyed the presentation of it all. I thought it was a nice, fun moment with, with where Cena was was in the crowd. I, I had the sense of him watching matches in the pre-show, going, "Who, who, are the, who are these? Mustafa, <laughs> Mustafa, what? Cedric, who?" Um, but I just liked it. I thought I thought it was fun when they went to him. I mean, clearly something was going to happen, but to me, it was almost like watching a, you know, a, a sitcom. You know, where you're in on the fact that, you know, the uh, actually doing the the, mer- the merger with Mr. Tashimoto isn't going to go through because 
um, your main <laughs> character, whether it's Reggie Perrin or Victor Meldrew or Father Ted or whoever, is going to somehow spoil the day. Um, I thought it was a little bit like that. Okay, he sat in the crowd, but they're not just going to have Cena sitting in the crowd all night and just not have a match. He's clearly going to have something happen. I understand what people say, that it was a little bit too soon after Charlotte's uh, win. I understand that. I don't think it's as big a deal as some people have made, but yeah, I think I would have done it straight after Jinder rather than straight after Charlotte if I'm mm. if I'm breaking it right the way down. That was probably you know a better position to do it in, especially if you wanted to distract away from the fact that people didn't want to have Jinder winning. Um, so that I might have done that. I don't think it's a big deal, but I think it's a it certainly would have been better. Um, but I just I just enjoy, I thought it was that's the kind of thing that potentially the Undertaker might do mind games wise. Um, I thought that Triple H and Steph coming out on great big motorcycles killed the idea that it was going to be American Badass Taker stone dead. Totally. Um, yeah, totally. That was a. If you had, if you had that in your mind, you then went, well, there's no way they're coming out. On, no way Taker's coming out on a bike now. Look at the state of uh, Trips and Steph on theirs. Um, so that was that. But I just, I mean, the guitar string for Elias and the noise after that, I thought, oh yes. I mean, that was just such a lovely piece of misdirection. Um, and just a fun moment. Again, if you want to drill right the way down, you can say, well, why wasn't Elias in... I think I still would have had Elias in the Battle Royal. Because mm. it's a bit of a weird thing. Because theoretically, why? Elias would have been asked... Do, I'm talking from a kayfabe perspective. Would you like to participate in the Battle Royal? No, I'd rather wait until just in case John <laughs> Cena runs backstage, then I can interrupt him. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. He could still have done the guitar thing having come really close to winning the Battle Royal. You know, he could have got into the last four and then been knocked out. Sure. And then, I think they're just... It's a tiny thing, but you just wouldn't turn down a WrestleMania match if you were a competitor just to... just to, On the off chance that you could interrupt Cena. Or, they, you know, or you could have in, or you could have trailed beforehand that Elias was going to do a concert at WrestleMania or something. I don't know. But, um... It doesn't matter. I'm being picky. It was fun, and then you know it was the right right thing for Cena to just beat him up. Again, some people John Cena squashed Elias. Behave yourself. Elias was part of a John Cena and Undertaker presentation at WrestleMania, right? That's the important thing. They think enough of Elias that he's part of John Cena Undertaker. That's way bigger for him than it is getting knocked down by a couple of Cena's traditional moves. And then Cena did the honors. I mean, it's just it's just a simple case of. In that position, Cena was intimidated. Undertaker got the start on him, battered him, and I yep. wish more matches were like that. Because, quite frankly, some sporting events are like that. Okay, they might be over a predetermined amount of time, as in 90 minutes for a football match, but sometimes the team is 3 0 up at half time, and, they, and it's basically game over. Yep. And it doesn't go down to the 90th minute with an unbelievable twist. You know, sometimes a Wimbledon final is 1 6 1 6 1 6 1. It doesn't mean that. You know, Federer is that much better than Djokovic. It just means that's the way it went on the day. And I think more wrestling matches could go that way to, you know, to catch out the fact that, you know, you're sitting down for AJ versus Shinsuke knowing that you're going to get 20 minutes. Whereas actually, if one of them hit an inside cradle after six and won the match, you'd go, shit in hell. I wasn't expecting that. Now, at the time, you'd go, oh, I wanted more. But longer term, as long as you had delivered the match eventually, I think people would forgive you. And you'd, and now every match you'd be on the edge of your seat thinking, well, are they going to end this quickly? So I don't have an issue with it going two or three minutes. I don't have an issue because I don't think Undertaker's had a good match in five years. And so 
I'm not expecting anything out of Undertaker matches anymore. He, I don't think him and Cena could have a match that could possibly be a WrestleMania classic like he's had with, you know, with with Sean or with Hunter or even with Punk. Mm. And so I just think it was the right thing to do. It was a brilliant way. If that is the end of the Undertaker at WrestleMania, what a great way to say goodbye. If it isn't, there's some intrigue. Maybe they do Undertaker Cena next year, and maybe the the, the the intrigue is whether Cena can hang with him next time. Listen, I thought it was, I thought it had echoes of Goldberg beating Lesnar. You know, well, that sudden was... bang hit them end of match, and it's something you can do within the future. So I I loved it. I thought it was great stuff. Good. Right, well, I, I I very much enjoyed it as well. So I think we're on the same page there. Okay, we've we've done enough to go through the card here that we might as well just try and hit every other match, but just do it really quickly. Very um, quickly. Let's yeah, bore too much. We want to push through. Um, let's uh, go from the bottom upwards. So um, Nia Jax beats Alexa Bliss. We talked about it previously. They did the right thing, didn't they? Yep. Right result. Um, I loved both guys in this. I thought they both played their parts well, as completely expected. I think it went a, a bit too long for the yeah. story they wanted to tell. Um, Nia should have been... Oh, it shouldn't have been a 10-second squash, but it should have been a lot more dominant. But overall, did what it needed to do. Both continued to excel. Thumbs up. They perhaps didn't do the squash because they'd done it with Taker. There they you go. They didn't want to have two matches yeah. that were the same. I agree, it was probably two or three minutes too long, but the uh, the right result, well-told story. And speaking of well-told stories and, and it ended the right way... Um, I didn't I didn't go a great deal on the actual match itself but the outcome was correct Daniel Bryan gets the yes 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 his way out of Wrestlemania yeah again it was nobody expected a Matt Classic did they um, everyone expected it to be a feel good moment Daniel Bryan got the massive ovation when he came in he won his match back and um, we go on so yeah yeah again perfectly good result happy days right Bludgeon Brothers um, this was the opposite I thought I thought this was mm. well this was I, I thought it was again I thought it was the right result but it just felt like you, you could have done that on Smackdown or something else it just didn't feel Wrestlemania to me it felt like this is the introduction of some characters rather than the culmination of something as you alluded to totally. uh, a short time ago totally I, I felt very short changed by how little time this match got I would have happily taken 20 minutes cumulatively from other matches to give this one a proper go through don't really have any dispute with the winner I think it's you know if they want to put those guys over why the hell not but I just felt very short changed on the match because there really wasn't one with the quality of the um, wrestlers in there exactly the possible exception of Rowan who I don't think is at the same class as the other five no, no he's not but he plays his part okay he does play his part well um, Harper carries him to an extent in the ring I don't like their presentation I don't like their stupid great big hammers I don't like their name I don't like their gear but I I'm getting like, over it I like the nature of two big guys that feel like a team kicking ass so yeah. I have no issue with them winning I just felt that it was a bit quick and a bit insignificant yep. agreed I think we've done gender we don't need to do that really much more as you said Paul um, on a mania which was kind of on the bubble you know having Rusev win you know, if you want, if you really want to have the belt on Jinder, well, Jinder could have won on SmackDown, couldn't he? So totally. Um, well, it was like it was like the um, two years ago when they had Zack Ryder win. Uh, he lost it the next night on Raw to the Miz, uh, but it made for a hell of a moment to kick off the show. And I think Rusev would have been that, but much bigger. So I think I think they missed a huge opportunity there. Um, I'm just I'm pausing slightly because I've just uh, have these weird moments on Twitter. I assume it's um must be some sort of robot or something but uh, 
someone has just retweeted me. That was my little phone going in the background as the uh, the retweet. And uh, I just want to read to you the tweet that they uh, retweeted. Uh, I said, uh, that little aces and eights moment is a great example of TNA doing things better. It felt natural and gave a little storyline advance. Hashtag impact. That was from two minutes past ten on the 8th of July, 2012. <laughs> and that has just received its second ever retweet. Um, well, so, uh, what can you say? It was a popular opinion, Rob. So someone is looking over things from July 2012 about aces and eights. That's very strange indeed. A lot of people going, what's aces and eights? Doesn't matter. Don't Let's worry. not go into that. Don't worry yourself about it. Um... Uh, okay, Charlotte and Asuka. Go on. Okay, this is what I'd label the best match on the card. I in really enjoyed of, this. We talked, about, we talked about it. In terms of pure wrestling, this was better than Nakamura or AJ. Yeah, I, um, actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally disagree. I think they'd be pretty close, but I wouldn't they totally were disagree close. with you. They were close. I th- when I watched it, I was gobsmacked at the result. I thought, I couldn't believe it. I thought Asuka was going to win. But, you know, and I've, I've shared this opinion before, flip-flopped on my mind a bit, but I'm very adamant that the main event next year is going to be Ronda Rousey winning that women's title and in hindsight yeah it's probably more marketable to have Charlotte Flair in that position than Asuka so if you're going to do that if you're working backwards from that position then it totally makes sense to give Charlotte that Asuka streak on the biggest stage possible because it like Brock Lesnar four years ago Charlotte was kind of just part of the pack in, on the roster as Brock had devolved to not anymore she's she's top of the tree she's she is the woman as far as that division's concerned now and if you can keep her and Rousey away from each other for the next eight months then you've got a Wrestlemania main event on your hands in my opinion I mean to smarten people up a little bit over how this has gone over the last little while Paul introduced that theory um, to counter me I was talking about Asuka versus uh, Ronda and Paul said that Charlotte would be a better choice from WWE's perspective because she's a flair and she's English not English but you know she speaks English as the first language naturally and I agreed and then he said that he was looking at Rousey versus Asuka and I went well you told me about the Charlotte thing and so now you've gone back again basically, basically you've, you've now listened to your own advice haven't you that's what's happened there is that you've done the uh You've done the in and out, but I think effectively, I, I was te- I was teaching you with logic that you taught me. So I think we're, uh, <laughs> I think we're now both somehow or other we've ended up on the same page here. We have, yeah. I think it's in hindsight, it's definitely the right decision. It was just a bit of a shock. I love the match. I thought it was really, really good. Me too. Um, some people will get a bit. I don't use this expression lightly, but it's the only one I can think of. Um, I think some people were just butt hurt because they they were sitting there going, "Well, it's so obvious Asuka's going to win." And actually, when she didn't, they have to try and say it didn't make sense or anything. Actually, no, no, it made total sense. It just in, in the storyline, Charlotte's better than Asuka. That's yep. their story. Charlotte's better. At some point down the line, I'm sure they'll wrestle again, and I'm sure Asuka will get some wins. But hey, this could be Rock and Austin. They could have three WrestleMania matches, these two. Spread out Possibly. over the next four years. I wouldn't wouldn't rule it out. I think this is going to be the match that they're going to keep coming back to. Um, you know, Similar to how they kept coming back to Sasha and Charlotte. I think they could keep coming back to Asuka in Charlotte. I think it will be a match that we see before next year's WrestleMania again. And I think Charlotte will probably win again, but I think Asuka might win in the future. I think they can keep going back to it. I think the two of them are excellent. I thought the match itself was really beautifully put together. And what I really liked was it was a a sudden and believable finish. Yep. You know, it wasn't Asuka managed to withstand it for two minutes and then reverse it into her own move and that was reversed into a... Nope, Charlotte got her, put her in the move, a devastating move that they've put over really well and Asuka went, nope, tap. I, I, I loved the hell out of it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was tremendous. Uh, Seth and The Miz and Finn. 
really good match really enjoyed it um, I thought probably the right guy won I said Finn would win but Rollins accomplishes the same goal really um, one point I want to make because I like to point out these fun observations that I've made just for my own ego but you saw his entrance didn't you Seth's entrance yes was Game of Thrones inspired I um, assume so yeah. it was the White Walkers thing well if you look back to last Wrestlemania his last two entrances have now been at the Song of Fire and Ice Oh, okay, fake it. Yeah, it means cool. means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. I was just quite pleased myself for realising it. Well, he's obviously a fan, or someone in the build of Seth is a fan because uh, they've called him the Kingslayer, haven't they? Before exactly from having beaten Triple H, they called him the Kingslayer, which for those that aren't Game of Thrones fans uh, is an expression that is used for uh, your man, Jamie. Lannister, La- Jamie Lannister. Um, that they use from the very start of uh, that's not a spoiler because they use it from the very first episode. <laughs> Um, of Game of Thrones so there's obviously a, a nickname that they've borrowed from a, a very successful TV show so if uh, if Rollins is having the input I suspect he's just given away what uh, one of his favourite uh, favourite shows there you go so the way to get the uh, the Intercontinental Championship is to attack him with some dragon glass that's what <laughs> that's, what that's it that's the best thing to do there we go um I agree I said um, I picked Finn as well but I did pick Finn with the caveat that um, if it was the demon then it was going to be Finn to win if it wasn't going to be the demon then he wouldn't and it wasn't the demon um, it was however uh, a Finn Balor Balor Club shirt inspired by uh, the inclusivity of the uh, the rainbow uh, colours and it's called Balor Club for all um, it's something that I'm uh, very behind I think it's uh, a really nice message of the inclusivity yep. my worry is that they surely wouldn't give Balor this inclusivity um, I won't say gimmick, but this T-shirt and him, him being the one to speak that way, they wouldn't do that and then turn him heel, would they? No. I hope not. There was just no. a little bit of... and I know that they, they ended up coming to a let's have a good, fair and honest match when they spoke on Raw, but there's just a little bit of heel in Balor at the moment. I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a bit terrified that they might make him a heel too quickly after the... Uh, the inclusivity thing but uh, I think no, it's a huge th- mistake too but I don't think they will but I'm just I'm a little bit nervous about it I think that he's he's confident and cocky but I think WWE are a bit smarter on the PR nowadays a bit more savvy I don't see that coming at all I'd like to think so but uh, a, a big thumbs up for the uh, for the way of doing it I think there is a way of treating these things without being cartoony yeah. and stupid and over the top it was really good exactly the way of doing it so a, a huge yep. Uh, kudos to that. Right, we've um, we've got through all the matches. I want to circle around and finish uh, the WrestleMania section uh, on uh, on Ronda Rousey and so forth because we haven't gone into that match. I don't want to do do it to death because we all know that most people have picked it as the best match of the night. We've all enjoyed it. We've all given it a thumbs up. But I do think we ought to give it at least a couple of minutes based off the fact that we've given matches that we disliked a hell of a lot more a lot more time. So, uh, um, your thoughts on why you liked this match so much? I thought I liked it because every every aspect of it works so well. The goal was to get Ronda Rousey over, to put the despicable heels in their place and give the fans a damn good time. And it was mission accomplished in every single way. I thought Rousey looked phenomenal. Um, if you'll excuse, if you'll permit me a bit of rampant sexism, I thought she looked phenomenal. Um, when she came out in that Rowdy Roddy Piper gear, I was a bit confused. <laughs> and, um, and then... Uh, 
I thought she looked a million dollars in the ring. I thought, you know, every doubt that anybody had about her, both in terms of her ability and her in terms of her ability to connect with the crowd, was shed within seconds. She came across as the biggest star in the world when she came out to the ring. The presentation's wonderful. Like I say, the, the, the Piper imagery is perfect because it's a big star that isn't, you know, that everyone loves. I love the fact that she's got the Joan Jett theme music still. That makes her feel like a big deal because it's a real song. Um, she smiled. She came out looking wonderful and not the big, scary, evil Rousey. And then, they, like I say, they, they wrestled a match that had clearly been well-practiced but was superbly well-executed. And it was such a good example of, of what wrestling really is, and that's taking people on a story wrestling shouldn't be about who can do the biggest moves and how many chairs you can bash off each other's heads and how many times you can do a flippy dippy do and it's about getting the fans in the palm of your hands and taking it on an emotional journey and those four guys did just that triple h kurt angle obviously long-time veterans stephanie gets nowhere near enough credit for being such a savvy manipulator of the audience she knows exactly how to play her role inside and outside the ring i thought she was brilliant absolutely wonderful i think my favorite moment of the match was where ronda's on the apron steph sprawled in the ring and triple h is outside and she's trying to call triple h in and he's having none of it. So she goes, okay, I'll just carry on beating the hell out of your wife. Yeah, that was <laughs> and then nice. just turns around and then Triple H grabs her legs and stuff. But I just thought that was absolutely, that was that to me. She, she was Ronda Rousey and she managed to transfer everything that was good about her MMA persona, persona into a WWE persona that the fans bought as someone they wanted to get behind. And that was, believe me, that wasn't a given. That took some doing. That took some brilliance in presentation and some brilliance in heel work by the McMahons I can't speak highly enough of it really it was just exceptional in the way they executed it that one liner was hugely important I think in the long term success it might have been it might have been scripted for seven weeks it might have been something she said off the cuff but it would be I think it would be hugely important I honestly I'm not overstating this I think it's Austin 316 level because what it did was it took someone that whatever the corporation may be doing with her forget the storyline of it being her being anti the authority forget that yeah. we all we can all see that from a, a reality you know um beyond kayfabe perspective that the company wwe want to present ronda rousey as a, a hugely marketable employee right yeah so we can see that what they sometimes do is have those kinds of people saying um all i want to do is come and stand before you and perform for the wwe universe and they Ooh. think that's a baby face. And the audience go, yeah, okay. But when the person says something like, where, I can't remember the wording of the verbiage of what she said, but okay, I'm just going to carry on kicking kicking her ass or, or, or kicking his ass, whatever it was he said, she said. Yeah. It was just a kind of awe, and it was, you know, a proper, let's let's call it a zinger. And it, it was mm. a moment where you just went, that's a great line. And yeah. that's a, it's the kind of, you know, have, have we done our um, our chat on who's a baby face and who isn't a baby face in certain films before I think we have and I've, I've mm -hmm. thought about Terminator who's the baby face in Terminator you know and it's like well it's meant to be um, uh, sort of Linda Hamilton's character and it's meant to be Michael Bean's character but it, actually it's Arnie even though he's the one that's about to try and end the world yeah and he's on the side of the robots it's still Arnie he's the, still the big ass kicking 
you know, guy with all the, you know, the cool guns and that kind of thing. But he's also got the one-liners. Hasta la vista, baby. And, you know, I'll need your motorcycle. And all that kind of... He's got all the... I did it terribly. But he's the baby face, even though he's not supposed to be. And then by the time you get to the Hollywood version, which is, you know, Terminator 2, it's not as good a mm. film, but they've at least cast it right, and they've made him the baby face. You know, he's done... Arnie, the, the actor, has done the turn, even though that's a different, different Terminator in storyline story terms. Well, she had the cool line so whatever the you know the the nuances of her being good or evil or whatever people like the one that's got the cool line i think they've dialed down on on kevin owens from that perspective owens mm-hmm. was forever getting the cool line in i think they've told him you know stop that because i don't think he does it quite as often as he used to and i think people know if, if owens goes they might go well he's, a, he's an evil son of a bitch but god, god he's funny they don't really want that so and you know Jericho was a classic at saying when, when people would approach Jericho and say oh, I love it when you call people gelatinous tapeworms and he would go well I'll stop doing it then because the, the second it gets over I don't want it getting over because I want people to boo me and it's like that's the point sometimes you know the, the the one that speaks the cool line which is what Austin did for years even if the cool line was simply drinking a beer and flipping someone off it might not have been a verbal cool line but. I even remember going to wrestling with my dad in 1996, and my dad hated wrestling. Took me as a 12-year-old to the NEC because it's what I wanted to go to, and he was bored shitless. The only person he liked all night was Austin. Austin beat Aldo Montoya on that occasion, and my yeah. dad and my dad went, "I like this guy." And dad just liked his swagger and liked the way, he, you know, just just thought he was just thought he was an interesting character. And it's like that says a lot that my at the time, what you know, 40-year-old father who hated wrestling, gravitated towards Stone Cold. And, and so many people did. And I thought that was the moment where people went, oh, she's something. It was just, it was. It seems minor, Definitely. but I want to really talk it up because I just think a week later it's memorable. I think a year later it'll be memorable. I think it's almost, I'm sorry I love you, in terms of an iconic oh, WrestleMania definitely. line. And, and I think it was just... Whether again, whether by accident or design, it kind of made her. And we have to address the fact that when she debuted at the Royal Rumble and awkwardly pointed at the WrestleMania sign, and then got booed on Raw the following night or the following week, we spent weeks on this podcast discussing how they were going to turn a heel. Yeah. You know, who was she going to wrestle after WrestleMania? Because she's going to be a heel. Okay, they can only do it once with with Stephanie, but from now on she's going to be a heel. Are they going to call Baszler up to help her? Are they going to do the four horsewomen? Are they going to do this, this, and this? We're not talking about it now. Oh, we, were, Rousey, we got that wrong. Because Ronda Rousey came out on Raw on Monday night and got an absolute monster ovation from all those cynical buggers that come to the the wrestle the, the Raw after WrestleMania. Yep. And you know, fair play, they've done a magnificent job of that. She's done a good job as well. It's not you know omit her from the credit because a lot of the issue was to do with her you know how she was you know how her perce- you know the perception of she's in she's, she's having a laugh you know she's just in it for a little bit of fun here but what they've managed to do which is quite cool is there are two rondas that she comes out smiling and loving everything and then her face goes and when the face drops everyone just goes oh totally and it's uh, such a good little gimmick to have and I think if they keep on with that and they can, you know, get the right camera angles of her doing the right kind of smiley bit, and then suddenly, doom, it's almost like the, uh, um, <laughs> it's almost like the bell being rung for Festus, but in no. a way, but in a way that's actually going to draw money. 
Um, it is just it's a moment that people are going to go, oh yes, and suddenly oh. they've got a money drawing baby face. You're on. I think I think she is. Well, it's ob- quite obviously, she's the biggest star in her company already. Um, sky's the limit if they carry on that way. Yep. Uh, are they going to use how, how often is she going to be around? Do you think is this going to be a Brock Lesnar um, contract? I would suspect it won't. I think it'd be more, slightly more. It'd be somewhere between a regular schedule and a Lesnar schedule. I and and I would do that by design. I wouldn't have her on every week, but you know, I would have her present. Um, she's going to be on the European tour. I suspect that'll be you know three-minute matches against Dana Brooke or something of the ilk. Um, just got to keep her separate from Charlotte. Keep her separate from Charlotte. You know, the next feud probably should be Alexa Bliss. Um, would seem like a good one, or a Mickey James, or someone of some of that. Maybe maybe Sasha after she turns heel. Who knows? One of those, something like that. Give her a couple more opponents, but take it nice and slow. And then when you get to around Survivor Series time, if that Survivor Series would be a good opportunity, bring them together. I think Mickey James is the shout. I think Mickey James is um, experienced enough, a good enough wrestler, um, has got enough. Um, historical credibility to call Ronda out on Raw and say, okay, you might be the newest one on the block around here, but I'm a five-time champ, or I'm a however-many-time champ. I've been around much longer than you. I've had You've had one match, I've had thousands. Let's, okay, well done on beating up Stephanie, who's not even a wrestler. But if you want to come and beat someone up, well, why don't you try me? And that's credible. Yeah, also, it is, we're absolutely. Here, we'd also be sitting here going, well, Ronda's going to kick her ass because she's tougher, and she ultimately should do. But I think you can have Mickey do that and have Mickey and Alexa maybe jump Ronda, and then the following week you say we're going to do Ronda versus Mickey James in Ronda's first ever match on Raw. Draw a rating for that. And, you know, maybe Alexa distracts early on, Mickey gets a few knocks in, and then Ronda makes a comeback, and as you say, wins in three minutes, taps her out, armbar, We've introduced Raw to what her finisher is. We've shown that she can take a couple of bumps with a, an actual wrestler. And if you want to make that a two or three week project rather than just a one or two, then maybe you can take Ronda on some house show loops and she can have some slightly longer matches with Mickey. Because here's mm. the thing, she's got to learn. And this yep. was always the problem with Goldberg, was when Goldberg was coming in and beating people in two minutes, this was all fine, but he wasn't having long matches where he was learning how to work. You know, he was having two-minute house show matches, and then suddenly you're going to main event pay-per-views. Well, you can't go to that. Unless you're just going to keep winning in two minutes, forever, at some point you're going to have a wrestling match. And yep. if you're looking at Ronda Rousey main eventing WrestleMania with Charlotte, and assuming it's going to go 15, 20 minutes, I know she's just had a 20-minute match, but play the game. That's not the same thing. You know, if she's going to have, you know, matches where it's one-on-one and she's going to be relied to, you know, do the usual heel-face dynamic, take bumps, make comebacks, sell... You've got to learn somehow, and I think you can learn from yep. a lot worse than Mickey for two or three weeks on some house shows, maybe even longer. But like, and like you say, maybe that's the first one, and then maybe Alexa's the next one. Those two are associated on TV, you know. And then, and that's just getting her into it. And then, okay, let the let the Sasha and Bailey thing play out, and then she's got a little run of those as well. That's the that's the you know much long term way of looking at it. But she has to improve, and she has she can only improve by learning and having those matches, and so. I think it's it's good to have. I don't want to. I don't want to see her just wrestling every woman in the company over the next twelve weeks. No. And beating them all in thirty seconds, because she's not going to get any better, and it kills all of them off. But yep. I think you can also make her very very dominant without, um, without affecting everyone else's position, and by still at the end of the day making good television. And I think that's the uh, 
I think that's the goal, but I think they're in a very, very good position. I honestly didn't think they would be in a few weeks ago, so I will hold my hands up and say I got that one wrong. Fair play. Uh, let us move away from WrestleMania, and let's couple um, Raw and SmackDown. Um, they are separate shows, they're separate brands, and separate things happened. But the, the nature of them is effectively the same. It's the fallout from WrestleMania, and it's a whole bunch of debuts. Um... Generally speaking, Raw Smackdown entertained? Uh generally speaking, yeah. Without being blown away. I thought they were I thought they were pretty good. Um a good range of debuts, especially debuts in return, especially on Raw. Um I liked what they did with Jeff Hardy. I liked to see Lashley back. Um loved to see the authors of pain on the main roster, not a surprise. Um I wasn't. I thought there were nice shows without being anything particularly exciting. I agree. Um, I think was it. I'm fairly certain it was you that I sent the text to and saying. It was you, me. Did you watch Raw? Yeah. And, and you said I haven't seen it yet, but I've read a few people saying it was. I think you did. You refer to it as dross. I think is what something. You whatever it was. Yeah, I'd heard a few you, bad things you about said it. People said it's dross, and I just really, really enjoyed it. It's just um, again, not as a blow away greatest Raw of all time, but. I think you're better off having those kind of roars than having Dolph Ziggler catches in and wins the world title and AJ Lee does this and um, this is a turn and there's a return of this and there's a heel turn and there's... Oh my God, I can't keep track of all those things. But I thought they introduced new people in quite a nice way. I thought the show kept on rolling along with fun spots and fun moments. Um, The only thing I was probably a little bit down on as far as Raw went was I thought that if they were going to bring Lashley in on a big scale, you know, as him be a, a legit heavyweight main mm. event contender, I thought it was a little bit, oh, it's Lashley. I didn't think they really went, I thought it could have been something that happened in the main event slot on the show or with a big build-up, you know, someone did an open challenge and it was him, but they'd been talking about it all night and then went, oh my God, it's Bobby Lashley. They didn't really do that. It was a kind of, oh, look who's back. And I didn't think they sold it as this is guy's going to be at the top of the tree. So whether that was poor on their part, or whether that's not how they want him, maybe they do want him as a, you know, a, you know, a, a second tier, or like a, you know, in the in the third tier out of four, you know, should I say, you know, in the second to top tier, rather than uh, at the very top. I don't know, but I just thought that was a little bit underwhelming. But uh, generally speaking, I, th- I, I, like I think it. they, I think they can turn that around. I think that. Um... Oh, yeah, sure he was brought in they, it felt to me like he was brought in not as big a surprise it felt like oh we've re-signed him he's back kind of an open secret type thing yeah. um, and then there was just a reintroduction and then when they when he decides where he wants to be on the card then they can put him wherever wherever that might be yeah. uh, if he came out and was in the main events next week I don't think it would feel out of place no especially if they um, especially if they move him to Smackdown you know, yeah if, if oh yeah to, yeah good shout if he goes to Smackdown in the shake up then um, yeah they can make that feel like uh feel like quite a big deal I rather enjoyed here's, here's this is going to shock you mate I enjoyed what they did with the Hardys I thought that okay. the way that Jeff interacted with Matt was really fun and that Jeff did brother Nero and Bray hugged him and they had a little moment and then Jeff went back to the other guys who were going what the hell was that and he sort of gave a look as if to go well I'm humouring him well and I thought it told me they are not going to do Brother Nero but they're also not going to you know, pretend that the Hardys aren't brothers anymore 
but that was almost their way of going you do your thing I'll do mine I yep. firmly accept, expect them to be split up on Monday or Tuesday how, how it was going to work I think Jeff Hardy is probably going to be a top level babyface on Smackdown I think I think Jeff will move to Smackdown and I think they'll try and do a bit of a one for the one for the nostalgia run Jeff Hardy push because I think I think AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy's a draw um, I agree. I think we've probably seen it in TNA, if we, but um, we have. I think that AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy is a really, really nice main event of. I can't think of a pay per view TLC. <laughs> I, I can never remember the names. Of the whatever, time. whatever it might be, but, but I think uh, you're right. The June or July pay per view. Um, I think AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy is a really, really nice main event. I think it's great, and and I echo what you think about the heart as well. I love, I, I like the Bray and Matt team. I think it's funny. I think the, I, I like to see Bray as a babyface. I think it'll work, and yep. I love, and I love to see Jeff. Like, like I say, the, what I got from that is that he knows his brother's completely insane, and he wants to humour him and be part of it. But really, he's not insane. And when yep. the normal people are around, he'll yeah, all right, just let him get on with it. He's nuts. Um, I think that's pretty pretty bloody genius actually in terms Lovely. of positioning um, so yeah I, I agree with you I think Jeff Hardy main event run either on Raw or Smackdown I think it'll do really well of the entire Wrestlemania weekend from the start of the Hall of Fame to the last bell on Smackdown what was your favourite thing that happened it's a really really um, it's a really tough question because there were a lot of highlights I'm tempted to go with Gargano against Ciampa, but I'm not. I'm going to go with the surprise at how awesome Ronda Rousey was and just how much I enjoyed that match. Because to me, and we said this going in, that match, more so than any other match I can remember, is WrestleMania. It has all the ingredients of a WrestleMania match. It'll go down as one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. And I'm glad we saw it live, or you know, live live to video. Um, I thought it was wonderful, so I'm going to go with that. Either that, or the Gargano match, as you said, are probably the correct answer. My <laughs> choice, and perhaps slightly tongue in cheek, was the knock on the door of the dressing room <laughs> of Shinsuke Nakamura, and when he came out. <laughs> gave the most insincere apology <laughs> and then said I no speak English <laughs> that's one of the funniest things I have seen in so long I absolutely burst my sides laughing at that I thought that was so good now listen you don't want nasty nefarious heels getting huge baby face reactions for funny lines I've just said the opposite about Ronda that's a baby face line that was a baby face line from Nakamura but if that's a hint to what his character is going to be like just a right sneaky disingenuous smarm ball oh my goodness yep. they might have made the right decision when he did the low blow on Wrestlemania I felt they were turning someone heel for the sake of it and I wasn't crazy about it being old knackers um, in which we, by the way, we have we have neglected <laughs> to point out that is exactly what he punched AJ in. That's his new gimmick. Yeah, old. That's knackers. why he's called Old Knackers. Dean Acid that sort of is coming a long, long way away. That's the name of his new finisher. A punch <laughs> in the Old Knackers. But um, I was a down, I was generally down on the idea of turning him heel. I didn't think he was going to be a, a good heel. Now I think he's going to be a riot. 
I think it's going to be brilliant. I think it's going to be class. And I think you might... They might struggle to stop him being cheered at times. A, because he's a bit of a... Um, you know, a, an indie darling. Plus, he's just so very, very good. But I like the idea of that character. And I honestly just... I loved that moment. As an individual moment, I thought it was so well pitched. And if they can follow that up correctly... I'm slightly taking the mix in. It's my favourite of the I entire know, weekend. But, but it was just... Again, we've, we've talked a lot on this podcast about first pages, you know, opening chapters. Um, and if that was the, the start of that character, then they could be onto something. Here's one thing. Would you or would you not change his music? Yes. I was thinking that just today. Yes, definitely. Have to. I would be his music. And I would also have... I would have that music play wherever he appears next Raw or Smackdown presumably on Smackdown I would have his music play and have him come out and go cut the music I don't like it this is yep. not my music play this one and it's something different and whatever I would have him come out and go I don't like that music it makes you all sing I don't want to hear you sing shut up I would have him get rid of the music and then in two years time or whenever probably not even that long but in a year's time when they turn him back again then you can Love bring it. the music back. That's and, that, that's what I would do. If you continue with that music, it's the it's the, he might as well be Fandango or Bobby Roode. And I'm not saying Bobby Roode is as far down in in my estimation as, as Fandango. You know full well that I'm a huge Bobby Roode fan. But I think Glorious is over and not Bobby Roode. Um, yep. And so I don't think that Nakamura is not over and his music is. But I think Nakamura's music has been more over than Nakamura has. Um, and I think if you want a heel, you do not want the fans singing along for two and a half minutes to a heel's theme tune. Look, you know, Nakamura on the main roster as a babyface just hasn't really set the world alight for whatever reason. Um, so I see no reason to not turn him heel. I was a bit the opposite. When I saw it happen, I was like, that's just what they need. That really is a good shout. And the template's right there in front of them, AJ Styles. AJ did very well as a babyface when he joined the WWE, but he didn't really catch fire until he did that heel turn on John Cena. And he didn't have to be heel that long. He was heel for less than a year, maybe, before the fans turned him back and demanded it. Um, it was less than a year, because it wasn't even WrestleMania to WrestleMania, was it? Um, and then I think you'll see the same with Nakamura. I think you'll give him... He needed this, He need, just like Roman Reigns needs it, but he needs this to light a fire under his arse give the fans a reason to truly care about him other than the fact that he is the mythical Nakamura I think you'll find he's the making of him in WWE especially if you like you say if, if the character carries out on the same path as it looks like it's going to I think it'll be fantastic we could do other debuts we could do the uh, the Carmella cash in we could do various other bits and bobs but I think you've had uh, uh, plenty uh, for one uh, for one episode we've managed to condense I mean I know it's still a long a long show but we've managed to condense Four and a half hours of the Hall of Fame, three hours of NXT, seven hours of WrestleMania, three hours of Raw, and two hours of SmackDown <laughs> into a couple of, couple and a half hours here on this podcast. So although we've gone long, I actually think we've done quite a good job in condensing what is, uh, let me see, around about 20 hours of WWE programming. Jeez Louise. Wowzers. Um, there's been some, I think, lots and lots of highlights, some down moments, some bits that we've enjoyed more than others. But most of all, plenty to talk about, um, plenty going on, plenty going forward, I think, which is probably the most important thing. And who knows, depending on where you watched it and what you got up to, uh, some good times had and some memories made. 
Um, before we wrap up, um, if you have been wondering what we were talking about as far as our uh, WrestleMania parties go, if you're a little bit late to the party as far as that is concerned, um, and you want to learn anything more about Hooked on Wrestling and who we are, Hooked on Events, uh, you can go to hookedonevents.co.uk, uh, and you can also go to the uh, the correct places on social media, which are Paul. You can go to facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling or catch us on Twitter at HO underscore wrestling. Um, we will be back on the uh, the major pay-per-view bandwagon uh, come SummerSlam. That will be our next intended big bash in, in lots of different venues. And we'll, the closer we get to that, the more we'll start giving you information on tickets, on venues, on hosts uh, and all that good stuff. But uh, I think it's only fair that... Uh, Paul has a little break from that kind of thing just for a uh, for a couple of weeks at the very least uh, yes, to get, please. get his breath back as far as all those kind of things go but uh, rest assured things are going along uh, in the background we, we had quite a long talk on the Monday we were having breakfast on Monday after the, the, uh, the Sunday night show uh, literally about six or seven hours after WrestleMania finished and we were having quite long extensive discussions about what we're going to do for SummerSlam so um, we were already in the uh, uh, in the mix, we're just going to uh, let things percolate a little bit, and then we'll be at you with uh, plenty of info uh, for SummerSlam. But it, uh, it'll be honest more quickly than you realise. It's uh, it's August at, right now. It seems a long way away, uh, four months or so, but it'll uh, it'll soon uh, build up on us, and it'll be the uh, the hottest day of the summer, as they call it. Um, in the meantime, and we're not going to talk too heavily about this. It's a little bit of a different sort of project, but. Uh, Paul, coming up, I believe, uh, a week on Friday, I think, is it as we speak, uh, is the event known as the Greatest Royal Rumble. It's uh, something that started off as seeming like a little gimmick for a house show in Saudi Arabia, having 50 wrestlers in a rumble, which suddenly now has seven title matches, including Brock and Roman in a cage, um, The Undertaker versus Chris Jericho, Triple H versus John Cena, and as well as the big rumble match. It's going to be on the network, and it's also going to be on at a position where you'll be stationed on that Friday night. Yep, very quickly, guys, because I am completely burnt out on this, but we're going to be showing it at London Bridge at Belushi's. We've got a little pride for over those who haven't been there. We were there for New Japan, and we had a VIP party there for WrestleMania. We had a little basement bar. Um, we're going to charge. We're not going to do any frills. There's going to be no quiz, no host. We're just going to encourage you guys to come and hang with us and have a few drinks and watch Friday evening wrestling live from Saudi it's five for a ticket you can book it from ringsideworld.co.uk um, half of the proceeds are going to go to Connor's Cure um, the rest are going to go to the Hooked on Beer Fund so uh, come along have a good time we've sold about 90 tickets already um, so it's going to be a good crowd good crack come and have some fun it's a 90 already that's really impressive well done I've yeah been, we've been quite low key about it so it's um, uh, that's interesting it's, it's unfortunately not something I can make but uh as Paul says, it's not a big uh, hosted hullabaloo. It's just uh, a bit of a get-together. Um, when you say the Hooked on Beer Fund, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to put the money behind the bar on the night and have some drinks. Don't worry, Rob. We'll share your portion for next time. Okay. That was, I, was just, I was just being clear on that. that <laughs> I, just, I don't want to see the idea of everyone else thinking it's just uh, lining our pockets and whatever. So it's going to be put to uh, to charitable and uh, and effective purposes. That's the uh, correct the point of that. Um, it should be a fun event. What time does it start, Paul? Uh, four o'clock. We're going to be opening doors. That's when the pre-show starts. The main show starts at five, and we believe that you're going to be looking at a nine to nine thirty finish. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, but uh, and, and I, I think the plan is to um, 
stick about in our nation's capital and have a couple of uh, beverages afterwards absolutely we'll be sticking around there for a while and then we might move on to a few other bars so you are most welcome to join our little posse the party doesn't necessarily finish when the show does um all's welcome just come along this is the closest probably we'll get to a bit of a hooked on wrestling christmas party i would suspect so this is the post wrestlemania hair let down you know um come and have a a watch of what I think is probably going to be a really fun but not necessarily um, traditional wrestling show um, and we can have a laugh with it listen we all know that it's a bit of a it's, it's bullshit that there's no women's matches on it and I don't think any of us are necessarily you know putting our thumbs up to any sort of regime that doesn't allow women on a show it's bullshit but we can all get into a, a political discussion at another time but I actually think it'll be a fun show I'm not saying you immediately things go out politics and opinions and beliefs go out the window for a bit of fun but on this occasion let's treat it for what it is and let's let's enjoy the wrestling that we have all the while realizing that uh, it'll be a lot better if they were a little bit more uh, inclusive but um i do think it'd be a fun show and uh paul would love you to uh to come along and join in the fun and uh it'd just be a nice little uh a bit of a honeymoon for hooked on i think after the uh the uh, the marriage of WrestleMania. Here's me being I'm being Ivory now, and doing uh, and doing my something borrowed from her speech. Um, so enjoy that. Um, enjoy what's the uh, what will be the the fallout of WrestleMania, including the uh, the superstar shakeup, which I'm sure we'll talk about on next week's show. Uh, and don't forget, as we said earlier on, we're certainly going to uh, be trying to uh, bring uh, Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett onto the show in the coming weeks. We'd love to have a chat with him. And we'll be uh, talking to some more of our uh, our hooked on hosts that, that many of you have given us excellent feedback about our hosts all around the country uh, for WrestleMania parties. And uh, we've had some good feedback about some of those have been on the podcast as well. So we'll be bringing some of those back uh, in the coming weeks uh, to have a chat about various different things. And I'm sure that uh, in the long gap between uh, now and SummerSlam, when we've got to uh, fill some space, and we don't just want to be the uh, the podcast that just does Raw and SmackDown reviews every week, we'll be thinking of some. Uh, some cool new features just to uh, to take us forward and get you all involved um, in Hooked On because I think Paul when you said it was about it felt like a bit of a turning point for uh, for WWE in certain ways it also feels like that for Hooked On it certainly does it's going to be a big future we've got a lot of plans wrestling and non-wrestling related this year um, watch this space heck of a future a hell of a past as uh, the, free, <laughs> the, the fabulous Freebirds once sung to uh, to no reaction um, but uh, <laughs> they did. Have you never seen them debuting that song on the on a WCW pay per view? Cricket. I can't say that I have. Oh, you can find it somewhere. Jimmy Jam, Garvin, and Michael PSA singing their brand new song um, to microphones that didn't work and a crowd that didn't know what they were singing. Absolute joy. Um, but uh, that's one for the uh, the because WCW boys, not for the Hooked On podcast. But uh, that's something you can uh, you can hear in the future. Anyway, uh, we are out. That does us for uh, for WrestleMania weekend. Uh, it's been uh, a heck of a ride thank you for, uh, for being with us all the way through Wrestlemania and uh, in some ways we can't wait for SummerSlam in other ways it could be 10 years away and it wouldn't, mm-hmm. come, uh, it wouldn't come long enough but uh, we will regather, regroup we will be fit and healthy I'm sure by next week's podcast uh, so all it remains to say is from, uh, from my, uh, my old pal showbiz Paul Benson and from me Robert Nickel. thank you for listening to the show that is the Suns Hooked on Wrestling and just remember it's wrestling enjoy it we'll see you very soon